I'm Dr. Future, your host. I invite you to join me as together we experience a future quake. 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 Welcome to the Future Quake Show. I am Dr. Future. And I am Tom the Body Bionic. Now, I don't want you that's, saying that's too much. Uh, that's, that's the only foreshadowing I'll do. Okay, because this is a couple weeks off. Uh, 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 um, dude, I'm just foreshadowing. Okay. Foreshadowing. Okay. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, forget you heard that. We have a special I'll for you <clears throat> in a couple <laughs> weeks. There they go. There's backward masking on Future Quake. <laughs> I knew it all along. Send 10.99. <laughs> Actually, we might make more sense backward played. I don't know. Uh, there's one or two people I yeah. think who would try and make that argument. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, it's great to be back with you on Future Quake. Uh, what we were alluding to, or what I didn't know he was going to allude to, is that uh, don't we have a special show no. coming Shut. up, Shut. Shut. and we'll let you Shut. know. But that doesn't mean this one's Shut. rotten. Shut. Stop it. Shut. Shut. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> Let's get on with our show. It's great to be back with everybody. Love being with you all out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, any announcements you got? Um, you know, man, the Lord is good. He's in heaven. Yeah. Um, I just, it's our really, name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. How about that? Yeah. You know, I've been really. Uh, That's uh, sort of the big one. You know? Yeah. I, I've just been, man, you know, I've been really praying with a lot of different people and just, you know, mm-hmm. every every chance I get wanting to pray with people and meet them where they are about their problems in life and stuff. And Yeah. Um, you know, uh, it's been cool. Amen. And I met a guy who met, and I met a guy who met, uh, or I talked with a guy who met Richard Wernbrand, so that was like totally genius. Really? Yeah. <coughs> Meanwhile, he was still living, you met him. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it wasn't like an Adam Allen boss type okay. All right. situation. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah? Did he say it was like really gruff and nasty? He said, he said it was Wernbrand. totally wild. He, he read, he met him before he was a Christian, really. Yeah. Even though he grew up in a Christian home, and he met him when he was like 12 or 13 in the basement of this little tiny church in Tulsa. Yeah. And he said he just, he he, he was all, you know, his mm-hmm. back and his feet were so messed up that he had to sit in a chair. Yeah. And that's what he did. He just sat there and talked. Mm-hmm. And he said he knew immediately there was something different about the dude, even though he mm-hmm. had a wild accent and crazy hair and mm-hmm. was sitting there with without shoes on. He yeah. said the, the dude was so much like Jesus. It was wow. just wild. Now, if any of our listeners don't know Reverend Wormbrand, Wrote the classic book Tortured for Christ. Yeah. He was in Romanian or pr- pr- communist prisons for 14 years, I believe. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. Three and a half years just in solitary confinement. Yeah, in solitary confinement. Yeah. He's got this one story where he said that uh, he was reading. He was he was re- thinking about the scriptures. You know, they didn't give him a Bible, uh-huh. obviously. So he's in this room that's like nine feet by nine feet. Yeah. And uh, uh, he was in that room, and he said he remembered something brought to his mind. It said, uh, and and when you you know, when you suffer, rejoice. When they persecute you, rejoice and be glad. And he's like, I haven't rejoiced. Mm-hmm. So he got up and started dancing around the room <clears> and rejoicing and, and yelling and stuff and, like, just, you know, praising the Lord. Yeah. And then uh, the, the, a guard opened the door and says, be quiet, you can't do this. You know, they, they put felt on the, on the shoes. Yeah, so they, so they couldn't, couldn't tell him sneaking yeah, up. Yeah. Uh-huh. And uh, he says, you, you can't do this. It's, it's, it's too quiet. You can't be doing this. And uh, he said, look, here, I, I, I know what's happened. You've gone insane. I'll give you some food mm-hmm. if you be quiet. Yeah. And he hadn't eaten in a week. <clears throat> so they gave, wow. him a, they gave him like half a loaf of bread and a big old slice of cheese. 
and he said it was so awesome that the cheese was like it was like a like a mozzarella type of cheese. Yeah. He said it was so wild because it was like he didn't remember what the color white looked like. And yeah. he looked at it for like 20 minutes and then saved it to give to another prisoner. Wow. That's like, wow. man, that dude is like serious. Well, you know, <clears throat> he started the ministry here once he was finally released, testified, I guess, before Congress about mm-hmm. suffering Christians. Mm-hmm. And um, Voice of the Martyrs was a ministry. Yep. And um, it continues today. In fact, we had uh, one of the representatives on our show. If you go mm-hmm. back and we talk Tom, about Reverend Warren Brevett. right? I believe so. <clears throat> no. Um, that that's another gentleman that ran the organization. Uh, it, was, it was their media spokesman yeah. that came. But we we talked about uh, Reverend Rembrandt's book, Jesus mm-hmm. Friend of Terrorists, mm-hmm. uh, which is something every Christian should read. Mm-hmm. And uh, <clears throat> but uh, anyway, it's great. To, you know, I don't picture Reverend Rembrandt as the kind of guy who'd be making a big scene up in first class on the airplane. <laughs> Like, cause his food There's wasn't right. There's a spot or, on my seat. <laughs> these, these people are getting on my nerves up here. Get these people, get the people back in yeah. third class away from me, coach. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> well, um, I would mention um, this last week about the people who bought our two book set or mm-hmm. donated, but uh, that didn't happen this week. So hmm. we must have had a really bad no show donations last and week. no no book sales. Yeah, we must have had like a really bad show yeah. last week or something yeah, like happens. that or you know but uh no but if you if anybody's interested the two book set has um lies the government told you by judge Andrew napolitano uh and then we have uh the new world order eugenics wars by andrew hoffman two book set um it is a an excellent set to give to people who think you're crazy and judging from our emails about all of us have family members that listen to our show mm-hmm. that think they're crazy for the kind of stuff we talk about and most people know Judge Napolitano and like him. If they get the book, he sort of gives them a primer to understand the fundamentals of what's wrong with our government mm-hmm. and our society. And then once they get that, then they can hand her Andrew Hoffman's book, which talks about the spiritual element involved. Mm-hmm. And um, the proceeds from that help support our ministry and uh, help us with expenses for things here and in doing the show. And we appreciate it so much. If, if uh, But I would recommend you use it just so you can reach out to some neighbors and mm-hmm. let your family members and people. They don't have to hear it just from you. If they won't listen to Future Quake, maybe they'll look at these books and try it. So think about that. We will be speaking in five weeks. Really? <coughs> five weeks. My computer died. the time maybe this is uploaded. Maybe I better start working on my presentation. Might be a good idea. Yeah. Uh, I know you've done more what than that. What am I speaking on again? Oh, Tell yeah, them. That's right. Tell them uh, what you're going to be speaking on. This is at the Future Congress Conference mm-hmm. I'm in speaking Branson, on Missouri. false flag terrorism, mm-hmm. 1945 to about 85. Mm-hmm. You, I never get to the end of it. It's always like we yeah. get up to like 75, and it's like right. people are blowing up left and right. And <laughs> That's uh, just an audience. <laughs> <laughs> well, last time I said it, somebody stood up in the middle and had questions for me. Yeah. Um, and then uh, on sleep paralysis. Mm-hmm. And then you are speaking on... Uh, uh, drugs in the spirit world, right? Yeah, and <clears throat> drugs then, and the sorcery. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. the non-controversial one. Yeah, and the then sorcery. and then the other one is, uh, well, it's called Holy War, basically. Holy War. Yeah, the coming Christian Muslim war and who's behind it. Mm-hmm. That is going to be like my Stevens talk. It's going to be. It's going to be powerful, man. Uh, I hope <clears throat> yeah. all of our Futurians come to that, and and because it's something that's so important that. Um, uh, I hope it gets recorded, video recorded, oh. and you send it everywhere. Well, I, 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 I want to do. I'll, I'll say this for the record here. 
I want to do a show where uh, multiple shows where you lay all this stuff out step by step, point by point. You're not rushed, and you feel well. You can just do it like, I like once a month. Do, I appreciate you doing that. Yeah. Appreciate you saying it. Uh, it's something I feel like needs to be written in book form because it's that important to get out sure. beyond just our circle. Mm-hmm. And uh, but I could certainly give sort of the quick and dirty from the slides on mm-hmm. that here. Yeah, and we'll be glad to. You know, we talked earlier this year with some of them, and then I got distracted with other show stuff and other things going on. I sort of had to shelve it, <clears throat> but our listeners seem to be interested in it, and uh, may have a few tidbits today. Mm-hmm. Why don't we get into some stories? By, by the way, check that out. Future Congress conference. If you go to Raiders News uh, Update or RaidersNewsNetwork.com, you'll see the link at the top, mm-hmm. and come see us in Branson. Um, yeah, man. Andrew Hoffman speaking there. Chris White is speaking there. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, Chris Putnam. Yep. Right. Chris Putnam. Uh, um, uh, Chris both, Pinto. Right. Chris Pinto. Chuck Missler. Uh, both. Both of the uh, um, Derek and Sharon Gilbert. Both Gilberts. They are. Oh yeah. And then there's some low-level people like Chuck Missler, and, uh, Gary Steerman. Um, very sort of. Yeah, G. Yeah. Edward Griffin. Yeah, yeah, G. Edward Griffin. Tom Horn. Who? Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> just kidding. Just yeah, kidding. if we're not talking, totally, you go see some of those totally guys. Just kidding. Yeah. yeah. Okay. You got something to lay on us? Uh, is it time? Do you want to go first, or should I? You call it. Okay. Well, all this article's real long, um, but uh, you know, a lot of people have talked about. You know, it'd be cool if you guys did something like kind of biblical and and really far out biblical stuff. You know, some biblical teaching, and. Um, I've been thinking about all that stuff, and here's an article from Meredith G. Klein. He's a very famous Old Testament historian about the rider of the red horse. Okay. Right? Um, the symbolic scene depicted in Zechariah 1.8 contains the essence of the prophet's night visions and, indeed, of his entire prophecy. His overall, overall theme developed in visions, oracles, symbolic actions, sermons, and burdens is the restoration and consummation of God's kingdom. Okay. Analysis a little slower. Oh, sorry. I, I do that a lot, don't I? I do too. Yeah. Analysis of the structure of the book shows it to be uni- unified by a repeating sequence of three main topics. First and primary is the return and presence of God's glory in the midst of His people at, as their strength and salvation. The other two are the promised consequences of the first. The second in the triadic pattern is the elimination of evil, the evil of oppression from without and perversion within. And the third is the redemptive establishment of the Zion community as an expression and embodiment of God's universal sovereignty. Um, so he goes on here, uh, and he talks about uh, different aspects of this whole thing. And I'll just do one here to kind of, you know, because there's like 20 of them, and they're all super okay. interesting. But uh, I don't want to melt anybody's brain. Um, um so he talks about he talks about the relationship there of the uh, the heavenly warrior there in Zechariah one you know with the mm-hmm. uh, the angel of the Lord and the all the stuff uh, he calls it the messianic angel of the presence when the apostle John received his apocalyptic vision on Patmos the opening revelation confronted him with the figure of the Son of Man in the transfigured brilliance of heaven's glory. That's, of course, Revelation 1, 13 through 16. Similarly, Zechariah, in his opening vision, beheld the commanding presence of a man riding a red horse, a man who was the angel of the Lord, the pre-incarnate revelation of the coming Christ. That this man and the messianic angel are, in fact, one and the same individual is brought out clearly by the pointed identification of the angel of Yahweh, in verse 11, as the one stationed among the myrtles. 
The phrase mm-hmm. already used twice to describe the man figure. Uh, that's in verses 8, 10 of Zechariah. Uh, Moreover, like this man, the angel is the one with the immediate authority over the other horsemen, which is a subtle point. I, I didn't realize right. that until I reread it. It's like, hmm, yeah. Uh, a second angel appears in this and subsequent visions, repeatedly described by Zechariah as the angel who was talking with me. Uh, that's in yeah, uh, chapter 1, verse 9, as well as uh, uh, verses 13 and 14, and a few other places, obviously, there. Such an interpret, interpreting angel was also sent to other recipients of apocalyptic visions, of course, Daniel, Revelation, other places. But the angel of the Lord is unique among the angels. He is the Lord of the angels. Uh, in the course of Zechariah's visions, we find the same evidence of this angel's divine attributes and prerogatives that appears elsewhere in the scripture and is in the scriptures and has led to the general recognition of this figure as a form of theophany. Mm-hmm. Uh, more specifically, as a manifestation of the second person of the Trinity. Um, in one such indication of the divine identity of the angel Yahweh in the present context is the reference to him uh, in verse 13, which I thought is interesting. Uh, I, I read this and sort of glossed over it. Verse 13 refers to him simply as Yahweh. Uh, in, in the ancient text. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this, uh, the coming, coming Messiah Lord was revealing at the very outset of these visions his immediate presence with his people. Uh, he was there with them in their historical struggle, exercising his sovereign power in their behalf. Now, I don't know if I've lost you, but how is this building up to the red, uh, the red horse? Uh, this is what well, he's talking about. He's talking about the... Um, uh, in a sense, this is all about the stuff of the red horse, and and specifically the guy who's doing the okay. Red horse. Okay. All right. All right. Um, uh, anyway, uh, in this the in this the the Messiah was revealing at the very outset of these visions his immediate presence with his people. He was there with them in their historical struggle, exercising his sovereign power in their behalf. That personal presence of the Lord uh, in the midst of the covenant community on earth. Uh, was really the all-important reality. To make known the meaning of the presence and mission of this messianic angel is what Zachariah's visions are all about. Uh, they are an unveiling of the secret of the covenant and an, apo- an apocalypse, apocalypse sorry, of the mystery of the divine presence. So I'll leave it there, and uh, we might return to that a little bit next week. All right. So That's a little, little Bible moment. Yep. Cool. Now, speaking of Bible moment... <clears throat> it gets cooler because they go on to Heaven's Legions next week. So, Well, that's if you want to share some more, that's fine, yeah. too. All right. Um, uh, you want to call it a day for now? Yeah, I'll call it. I'll okay. call it. Yeah. But speaking of Bible teaching, uh, you and Chris White have a show. Yes. Very popular. Uh-huh. Uh, tell, tell folk what it is and how they get there. Versebyversebibleteaching.com. No dashes in there or anything. It's just no, no dashes. No punctuation. One dot, and that's it. Dot com. com. Okay. Got it. verse by verse by. Mm-hmm. Man, I'm surprised you all uh, were able to get that. You verse know, by verse you could Bible probably teaching. like charge lots of money to sell that to somebody. Like or we could Chuck just keep Smith it and do something. what we do, put out free Bible teaching. Yeah, but you're missing the big money. Exegetically sound. And that's why yeah. people get into this stuff. The yeah. Money. <laughs> uh, so what? Uh, you and Chris White are uh-huh. going through the Bible. And again, I assume the name means you do go verse by verse through it, uh-huh. discuss it, expository type. Yeah, we actually, we take it and just sort of uh, discuss it to sort of no end. Yeah. Um, it's not uncommon for for 
for us to take for me to take five minutes on a single mm-hmm. verse mm-hmm. and then you know usually we only go through about in a one hour show go through six verses yeah so do y'all come to blows a lot is it well no but it's only because we're on the phone oh I'm on the phone. okay all right so all right and uh, uh it's every week every week when do you when do you up update that well, uh, as soon as my computer gets out of the shop. Okay. All right. Well, check it out. Uh, I know you all have tons of listeners, and uh, any of our Both listeners of in Future yeah. Quake. Cause, no, no, no. <laughs> Would you like me to share a story? Sure. Back to, okay. back to we had the little Bible moment. And, okay. Yeah. yeah, that's sort of like Bible school. You have your like, little Bible story over in the corner, and now you go over. This is like crafts now, right yeah, now. Yeah, now we'll, crafts. Go, now we'll go build a macaroni picture. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um this is uh, a story, again, I'm trying to vary a little bit from sort of the ruts I've been getting into lately. Uh, this is about uh, China wants to construct a 50-square-mile self-sustaining city south of Boise. Okay? I wondered if this, this was going to make Info it. Wars. Um, you know, some people hear different stories we have here. Sometimes they're more more remote than others. I don't know who else read this, but I thought it was significant. It says, thanks to the trillions of dollars that the Chinese have made flooding our shores with cheap products, China is now in a position of tremendous economic power. So what is China going to do with all of that money? One thing that they have decided to do is to buy up pieces of the United States and set up special economic zones inside our country from which they can continue to extend their economic domination. Mm -hmm. One of these special economic zones would be just south of Boise, Idaho, and the Idaho government is eager to give it to them. The China National Machinery Industry Corporation, or Sinomoc for short, uh, is uh, plans to construct a technology zone south of Boise Airport, which would ultimately be up to 50 square miles in size. So is that, that's not <coughs> private industry. That's the, essentially the Chinese government? Yeah, okay. they own it. The Chinese okay. government owns it. So it's yep. an extension of their government. Okay. Um, socialists, so, you know. But 50 square miles, you think about that, that is like just over 7 mile long by 7 mile long square equivalent. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty big hunk of property. Mm-hmm. You know, that's like that piece around your, your house. Yeah, both. No? That'd both. be a lot of lot of grass to mow, like with a push mower. Yeah. You think about it. Like, like, like not even the electric right. mower, just like a, the, the hand-powered ones. Right, yeah. exactly. The Chinese Communist Party is the majority owner of Sinomok, so the 10,000 to 30,000 acre, quote, self-sustaining city that is being planned would essentially belong to the Chinese government. The planned uh, so, uh, see, self-sustaining city in Idaho would include manufacturing facilities, warehouses, retail centers, and large numbers of homes for Chinese workers. Okay, That's Chinese workers being mm-hmm. sent over here. Mm-hmm. Basically, it would be a slice of communist China dropped right in the middle of the United States. I wonder in why Idaho, I, of all places. Yeah, I wonder why the Idaho government is so gung-ho about this. I mean, Well, was, I, guess I was thinking, I guess it was Montana that was going for that. Remember that prison they built? Yeah, no, They're bringing was, those yeah, outsiders was, from... I mean, of all, I mean that's the whole liber, liberty-loving center of our mm-hmm. country up there. You know, that's what's sort of strange. Uh, it says perhaps the most famous of these special economic zones is Xinjin. Uh, it's in China. Back in the 70s, Xinjin was just a very small fishing village. Today, it is a sprawling metropolis of over 14 million people. Hmm. If the Chinese have their way, we will soon be seeing these special economic zones pop up all over the United States. It makes sense. They own most of the stuff here. Yeah. So, you know, 
They they want to make sure they make use of the property that they'll be deeded over once we can't pay our bonds, maybe. Yeah, it could be. Uh, <clears throat> I think they have a lot. I, uh, that's an important story, but I would I would throw it a, <clears throat> a couple things to sort of counterbalance that. Their inflation is it's all. I think I feel it's mm-hmm. already begun and it's set to kind of go through. Move the, your mic closer there, buddy. Oh, sorry. Uh, uh, to go through the. You go can move your mic. There. You don't have to lean it. Um, and and uh, you know. So go, you think they're in deeper. Kimchi than us. Oh, yeah. To use They're, an Asiatic phrase. The Yangtze River is so polluted, mm-hmm. they can't drink out of it. Yeah. And that's one of their two water things. As well, I shared, I think, last week. Why do you think they wouldn't want to come over here then? I think they would Idaho's get to the point where they water. lack, the, tech, they lack the, the infrastructure at home where they can't even, you know. We have electrical power here. Sure. They but, can't get it here. Why, why don't they just come use our grid? Well, I, and I don't doubt that. But I think the point the point I'm making is that things are going to get so bad over there they can't they simply won't be able to function. Yeah, you know. But the folks here may. Could be. I don't know. Uh, okay. Well, thanks. Just deflating the the air out of my story here. Hear that sound? So exactly who is Sinomach? The following description of the company comes directly from their website. With approval of the state council, China National Machinery Industry Corporation or Sinomach uh, was established in January '97. It's not that old. Sinomak is a large-scale state-owned enterprise group under the supervision of the State Assets Supervision Administration Commission. As you can see, Sinomak is basically an arm of the Chinese government. The borrower is always the servant of the lender, and now China is, is buying up America. The reality is that Sinomak is not only looking at Idaho. Sinomak is in discussions to develop special economic zones all over the United States. Sinomak has recently dispatched allegations to Ohio, Michigan, and Pennsylvania to explore the possibility of establishing special economic zones in those states. They could buy the entire city of Detroit. Yeah. For like just and chump I'd change. almost be willing to sell it to them. But, well, you, know. you and I could get up enough money for it. Yeah. You know, the average home price was like $4,000 in all of Detroit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. $4,000. Yeah. You buy, buy a sprawling <clears throat> place there for about ten k. Well, you, you know, if our listeners donated on that donate button there on Future Break, <laughs> we could build us an impenetrable fortress. That's what we need. Is and just broadcast out of their bootleg, you know, kind yeah. of stuff. And in fact, the authorities probably wouldn't even want to come in there and try to stop us, you know. Yeah. Um, just the craziness of Detroit to keep them out. Exactly. Like escape from New York. It'd be like that. I could drive out of the car with like little chandeliers on the front fenders, you know. Like there the you go. They uh, have to send in Snake Bliskin to get us. Say, Look, there's Dr. Futures. Right. <laughs> okay. Um, the reality is Sinomach is not... Okay, let me see here. Um, according to Dr. Jerome Corsi, the U.S. government has already set up 257 foreign trade zones across America. These foreign trade zones will apparently be given to U.S. Custom, special U.S. Customs treatment and will be used to promote global free trade. Uh, they tend to be located near airports with easy access into the continental NAFTA and WTO multimodal transportation system being created to move uh, free trade goods cheaply and efficiently throughout North America. Well, most of the politicians are in favor of it. It says Idaho is the last state that should say we don't want to do business with Asia. Idaho Lieutenant Governor Brad Little said last year, Asia is where the money is. So will all of this foreign investment really bring jobs back to the American people? Perhaps, but they're bringing Chinese workers in. Mm-hmm. Perhaps a few, but the truth is that these special economic zones that the Chinese are setting up are designed to be self-contained communist Chinese communities. Some Americans will likely be employed in these areas, but not nearly as many as our politicians would have you believe. In addition, these special economic zones represent a massive national security threat. 
the communist Chinese could potentially be able to bring in and store massive amounts of military equipment virtually undetected mm-hmm. because supposedly it's not inspected on the way over. In the days of the Cold War, we would have never dreamed of giving the Russians a 50-square-mile city in the middle of Idaho. But today we've become convinced that the communist Chinese want to be our great friends. The following quote originally appeared. You see, we're, we're too scared of some other religion that's been around 1,400 years. That's got all of our attention. We, you yeah. know, we can't watch. watch what the right hand's doing. You know, don't look at the left. Yeah, good point. Um, <clears throat> it says the following quote appeared in the Idaho Statesman, but it's since been taken down. The Chinese are looking for a beachhead in the United States, said Ohio Commerce Secretary <laughs> Don Dietrich. Idaho was ready to give him one. And he might regret having said it that way. He says, if relations in the U.S. and China go south someday, we will deeply regret giving China so many open doors. The truth is that you can never fully trust a communist Chinese. Their top military officers talk about the common conflict, coming conflict of the U.S. all the time. China is extremely interested in North America. In fact, the Chinese and the Mexicans have been holding talks of military cooperation. But even if you don't consider the communist Chinese to be a military threat, then you will be deeply concerned about the economic implications of what is happening. Today's tens of millions of Americans are wondering why the economy is so bad. Well, there are lots of reasons, but the fact that we've sent China thousands of our factories, millions of our jobs, and trillions of dollars in wealth is a contributing factor. Um, and, but you said also, too, they're having their deep issues, too. Mm-hmm. You know? that, the thing is, is when, when people get get uh, desperate, mm-hmm. you know... Um, I'm going to leave it at that. but um. It's certainly an interesting thing. I mean, they're, they're moving, and, and that's certainly something. I mean, it's weird. Can, a communist country, we put a 50-square-mile city well, I'm, hermetically I'm, sealed for their use. Uh, you know, I, I wonder about that. I'd love to see, uh, like, are they subject? I mean, I'm assuming they're laws. Be, yeah, to our laws yeah, and stuff, right? Know. I don't know. But, the, I mean, the way that a lot of the commentary has been that yeah. they're sort of not. I would think a lot of Christian media would welcome this because... Then it would be these Chinese guys when they take over their problem with Sharia law, and they would have to fight because you know Sharia law is going to take over our nation, and most of us will become Muslim. So then the Chinese would have to deal with them. Yeah. Well. That would they, then we'd have the last laugh. Yeah. Ha ha ha. Well, the Chinese will take care of those Muslims for us. Yeah. So I guess we need to invite more of the Chinese over. <laughs> I thought you said you weren't going to mention that for 15 minutes. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> All roads. Yeah. Okay, give us a story. All right, well, here's one. Greek Parliament preparing evacuation tunnel ahead of Wednesday vote on IMF bailout, general strike, and parliamentary blockade. Not that they're expecting trouble or anything. <laughs> well, it's so It's so funny because they're saying, you know... Less than a month ago, these guys were parading around on TV, and I was watching these yeah. translated things, sound bites, going, mm-hmm. "Well, we stand with the people, and we want to yeah. do it. We got to do what's best for the country, but we stand with the people." Yeah, you know, the big, big hair and the, uh-huh. the kind of, you know, uh, Mediterranean style light suits, right. suit coats, you know, light cut suit coats, and uh, now they're <laughs> making a secret evacuation tunnel under Parliament. Um, so this is this was originally from a, a, a website called Covering Delta, but I got I got this info from uh, I, I saw the post at zerohedge.com. So you could go to either okay. place there and find it. Um, June fifteenth. Send us the link. We'll have it on the front. Yes. Which let me mention in case somebody you know people go get it on iTunes. They forget we have a website. Yep. If you go to the past shows tab, futurequake.com, mm-hmm. not only are all our shows there, but for the last few weeks. 
we finally buckled down and actually put the links to the stories we read on there so you can actually click to the real story. Mm-hmm. And you can see how much we've uh, bungled the story directly. Yeah, messed it all up. Yeah, so yep. So this one will be up there, too. June 15th, the day of a general strike in Greece, is also the day when the critical, quote, midterm agreement, unquote, between the insolvent country and the Troika will be voted on by the General Assembly. The agreement includes tax increases, slashing of wages and pensions, and the, and the layoff of approximately more... More than a hundred thousand civil servants in the next few years. That's a lot of folks in a in a in a country that's only like sixteen million. Right. You know. Um, Say sixteen million. Yeah. 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 I, I don't have the exact number, but that's what it was mm-hmm. a couple of years ago. Uh, already, already the blog uh, occupied London has interesting interesting name has called for a blockade of Athens Parliament. Uh, Last night, June 11th, the Popular Assembly of Syntagma Square announced a call to blockade the Greek Parliament ahead of the voting of the so-called midterm agreement between the Greek government and the Troika. Uh, which is interestingly, the Troika is represents it. I, I found I, this was fascinating. You know who the Troika really represents? Well, it's usually three people. It's the Troika. Yeah, it's the IMF, the ECB, and the EU. Mm-hmm. Right. I was I thought the Troika was some like government a- Athenian government thing, you know, like, yeah. like the Greeks. No, I just mean it's a cabal of three entities. OK. Yeah. I, and, and all yeah. it means is it's the IMF, the ECB and the EU. Mm-hmm. The call out for the blockade below is one of the most important acts we have seen by the Syntagma Assembly so far. June 15th is gearing up to be to become a historical day in Greece. A crucial chance to block off the charge ahead of neoliberalism here. Don't be a spectator to this. Block off the charge ahead of neoliberalism here. Translate and disseminate the text below. Organize a gathering where you are or come join us at Syntagma. This is the struggle for and of our lives. What What is actually they're trying to get done? They're trying to blockade Syntagma Square. For what purpose? What would they hope uh, to, to accomplish? To keep people from voting or to keep the, the parliament from being opened. And uh, they're blocking off, especially they're blocking off the charge ahead of neoliberalism. That is, mm-hmm. you know, selling, basically selling Greece to, to the IMF. And that's what they think the vote will do. Will yes. Be basically uh-huh. that's, that conceding is, to the IMF. Yeah. Uh, one of the, nobody's allowed to really read everything in it. Uh, I, no. I haven't looked this up. This could be Like different. in our country. Yeah. Nobody's really allowed to read the whole text and everything. But uh, the last thing that I read essentially amounted that they were calling... For uh, you know, this next bailout was a you might call like debtor in possession or secured debt. Yeah. You know, well we'll give you all this money, but we take control of, you know, the Acropolis and 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 Germany gets you mm. know Persopolis over there, and uh, uh, you know China might get Mount Olympus and and mm. you know uh, on and on and on. The creditors sort of divide it up and, and start seizing national assets in Greece. Yeah, like a fire sale. Yeah. Nobody's nobody's actually said that, but. From the stuff that's been sort of leaked, that seems mm-hmm. to be the case. Nobody's sure. I could have that totally wrong. Yeah. Um, that is just uh, one of the possibilities that keeps being thrown around by people mm-hmm. in the know. Uh, anyway, back to this article. Needless to say, should the vote pass and should the parliament be blockaded, which it will be, the chances of politicians to leave General Assembly un- unscathed may be compromised which is why we were not surprised to learn courtesy of covering Delta that the Greek parliament has hired foreign workers to clean out the underground tunnel which leads from the parliament to the port of 
Puralius, which is soon to be privatized, interestingly, in order to avoid what seems what some fear may be the popular lynching uh, mm-hmm. lynchings of MPs by the disgruntled masses in Sentagma Square. So the so the um, the people who are protesting need to go down the end of that tunnel on the other end. Yeah, well, by the port. You know that they uh, there's yeah. There's a very serious problem here with, at least for the MPs now, because the secret tunnel isn't all that secret anymore. That's right, that's right. You know. And they know where it goes. Yeah. So, there you go. They're so, they're standing with their people so much that they had a secret tunnel built. Well, you know, our our government, they wait until there's a recess or most people gone home to vote stuff through. Mm -hmm. They do stuff in secret and run from us all the time. Mm -hmm. I remember even like there was a Republican, was at the convention in Nevada, where actually the there was a quorum of Ron Paul supporters mm-hmm. there that actually voted for mm-hmm. stuff there, and the guys ran out the back door and ran away rather than actually accept the vote. Yeah, and yeah. Stuff like that still goes on here all the time. Mm-hmm. This yeah. Cowardice. Uh, in a word, yes. Wow. In a word, yes. Well, it's happening there, except this time it's the feds doing it, selling the country to China and Europe. Yeah. Well, mostly yeah. Europe, but China's yeah. got a lot of their debt, too, I think. Yeah. Well, what's scary is you, you picture Europe and China, and then they're all having their problems, too. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I just read today. Were filled with guns and war, and everyone got just, trampled on the floor. <laughs> wish they'd all been ready. I just read today that um, France, in some places in France, uh, they've had place, places where the rainfall has been 80% below normal. And it's actually they're going to have to close mm. down a couple of nuclear power plants because the river has gotten so low they can't take river intake in yeah. through the cooling tower, and mm. and it's gonna they gotta shut those down and then the maybe TEPCO could help them with some advice. Oh, or I'm something. sure TEPCO's solid, man. Yeah, they don't um, handle emergencies. Yeah, the other thing is that it's totally deeply affected the French crops. They're like looking mm. at a hike of wheat prices by fifty percent. Really? Yeah. And escargot and. Yeah. All that kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, I don't know how much water you need for snails. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. But it would cut down my escargot consumption probably. Yeah. You know, if that happened. Would you like to have another story? Please. Okay. Um, I can't resist these stories. This is just so interesting how it comes back. This is a story about uh, um, James Woolsey's... uh, Former PR agent outlines Anthony Weiner is a Muslim conspiracy theory. This is on uh, Bartholomew's notes on religion. So, I so mean, now it just can't so get now, any crazier. Now, congressman, is he congressman or senator? I guess he's senator. That Weiner. Well, he's a congressman. He's congressman. A rep, yeah. yeah, congressman is a. Uh, is turns out we've elected a Muslim. Well, that's Terrorist. if you want to call anybody a bad guy. It used to be you called him communist. Yeah, and all that that, that <clears throat> besmirched them. Now you call them Muslim. That's the low point. Okay, it says uh, <clears throat> this M- Bartholomew's notes on religion is a is a great website. Mm-hmm. He leans a little left on stuff, mm-hmm. but he actually does good research. He's mm-hmm. pretty fair, I think, for the mm-hmm. most part. Okay, but that's that's my cue. It says a, a number of sites have promoted a remarkable commentary piece that was recently pulled from the Washington Times website. Okay, uh, he says, take a deep breath. It says, less than a year ago, in July 2010, Huma Abedin married Jewish representative Anthony Weiner. Mm-hmm. Uh, attesting to the strength of her relationship with the Clintons, former President William Clinton officiated the ceremony. 
Not unlike President Obama, the Clintons, as well as powerful politicos such as George Soros, are devotees of Saul Alinsky, who is considered the founder of, Amer- of modern community organizing. Okay, mm-hmm. this, this is again from this Washington Times. It says, from my web position, he says, from my position, I clearly see that the actions of this group signal their socialist agenda, which includes domination of the U.S. by a Muslim-ruled world, which begs the question whether Huma Abedin has been groomed by family and political leaders to carry this agenda forward. Uh, therefore, we must consider that Mr. Weiner may have converted to Islam. I know we've never heard that, but he may have converted to Islam. Entered the twilight. Uh, yeah, because if he did not, we have to consider the unlikely, that being that Mrs. Abedin has abandoned her Muslim faith even while she still practices. Although we also know that amongst the more educated, sophisticated, multi-religion marriages happen all the time in the world. Yeah. Except in the minds of people who are trying to form a simplistic worldview. Um, the question that begs to be asked, however, is, has Huma been groomed to access leading political movers and shakers to advance the cause of Islam in America, including a politically positioned marriage to Congressman Anthony Weiner? As, quote, evidence for all this, the author points out that an imam in New York has urged counseling rather than stoning. Okay? An imam has said that Wiener should be counseled. Okay? I, you know, rather than stoning him, which is what we know all Islamic people are always looking forward to do is to stone somebody. Basically stone somebody. Yeah. It's in fact, the people who wanted to stone Jesus in the Bible were actually Muslims. Were they Muslims? Oh, yeah. I thought they were another religion. No, well, uh, they were... They were you don't know it, but they were like proto. Yeah, like well, like this guy, you know. Well, okay. Well, here here's part of why it's a conspiracy. This imam urged counseling rather than stoning. Therefore, he must be in on the conspiracy because we know he'd really want to stone him. And the fact that he didn't shows that they've got something worse than stoning going on. Everybody should Google Leo Strauss at this point. Stop stop listening for a second. Just go over to your computer and well, type probably in Leo Strauss. listening anyway. Yeah. But Leo Strauss, S T R. A-U-S-S. And yeah. just read a couple of the articles, because he was the guy who really founded the neoconservative movement. Yeah. And he sort of advocates lying and making up things as you go to tar and feather your opponents. To support it, yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. <clears throat> Here we go. Um, let, me, let me find... Uh, this is so absurd that a rebuttal is superfluous. Political change in the USA is not brought about by, quote, grooming women to make politically positioned marriages... And the attempt to link the notion to Alinsky's community organizing is simply bizarre. A secret comp conversion to Islam makes little sense either. The whole point of a nominal conversion to Islam prior to marrying a Muslim woman, as does sometimes occur, is that it's for show. Why would it be secret? And how could the secret have been conveyed to various imams without leaking out? Of course, crank conspiracy theorists use the Internet is not a particularly original tale. Although the article's author, Elena Benador, or Eliana Benador, is of some wider interest, as Max Blumenthal notes. This is the woman who wrote the article in Washington Times, okay? Mm-hmm. She is the former CEO and founder of Benador Associates, an outfit that handled public relations uh, for a who's who of neo- the neocon movement, from Richard Pearl to James Woolsey to Frank Gaffney, hmm. the guys we've mentioned on our show recently, mm-hmm. okay? Is this what Beltway names? neocons are saying about uh, Wienergate? A profile was published. You know, and they haven't found a Muslim that they didn't want to destroy. So, uh, A profile was published in the Asia Times back in August 2003. Benador left the Middle East Forum 
a Philadelphia-based think tank headed by neocon Daniel Pipes, in October 2001 to create Benador Associates and credits Woolsey and Rosenthal in particular for helping her get started. Woolsey really opened his doors for his other friends, she said. Clients included Richard Pearl, Michael Leiden, Little Fradkin, and it goes on a bunch of other people, and a number of Muslims, uh, including uh, Mansour Ijaz, who I see on TV occasionally, mm-hmm. along with two controversial Iraqis, Kanan Makia and Katir Hamza, which are associated with the Iraqi National Congress, led by Ahmad Shalabi. And for a bit of variety, there's Arnold de Borsgrave, a right-winger who has opposed the neocons' Middle East strategy as tilted too far toward Israeli interest. And the elderly de Borsgrave is still editor-at-large for the Washington Times and for the associated UPI. Hmm. So she's doing work for him. Mm-hmm. Her most infamous moment was in 2006 as the promoter of Tahiri's bogus story that Iranian Jews were being forced to wear yellow stars. Do you remember that? I, I read that story. We read it on Future Quake years ago, where the Iranians, you know, when they were trying to hurry up and get us to war with Iran, and they were mm. trying to think excuses, they start putting in from us. They were saying, and she was behind this, that Iranian Jews in Iran were being forced to wear yellow stars. Uh, I don't remember that, but uh, I mean, yeah. I, I'm sure. I'm well, sure it was untrue, happened. so yeah. it didn't matter. But yeah. that was they thought that would get people riled up here because you know lying is not a it's issue. not an issue. Benador now promotes herself as a goodwill ambassador for the Shamron Liaison Office, Samaria, Israel. This organization is run by David Haviri, a militant settler who is a regular source of quotes for Aaron Klein at World at Daily. Benador is not the only pundit to suggest that Wiener is a secret Muslim. The same conspiracy was suggested by talk show host uh, Ben Barak and perhaps inspired her article. Uh, Amar Abu Namus is the imam of the Islamic Cultural Center in New York. Uh, and he is encouraging Huma Ebedin, who is a practicing Muslim, to stand by her husband, New York Congressman Anthony Weiner. So you've got an imam telling his fellow Muslim person to stand by her Jewish husband, who was messing around, you know, mm. in a way. Or, okay. okay. Why would this imam support Anthony Weiner, who was raised Jewish in a marriage with a practicing Muslim woman? Every Islamic scholar agrees that it is forbidden for a Muslim woman to marry a non-Muslim. Is Abu Namas in direct opposition to his Islamic superiors? Why? And that's why she's saying this. Hmm. Isn't it interesting, the connections? They're always Gaffney, Wolsey, the same guy. I was going to say, it's always, it's oh. always Gaffney. He's always like a, yeah. like a penny. Mm-hmm. penny with All, a roads. In it. All yep. roads pass through there. Mm-hmm. Now you get th- Those are sort of the semi-secularist. Mm-hmm. You get the religious path that all goes through Boykin and um, Joyner. Rick Joyner. Yeah. 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 So... Um, well, uh, sort of tangential to that, sort of okay. kind of making it up as you go in the name of terrorism here. I've got a, I've got a great article here. Um, well, two really two articles. This is a uh, one is from KSAT, and the other is just a one sentence sort of thing I took from KWTX. Yeah, yeah. KWTX. Uh, the first one: Bandera County Sheriff's Office issues domestic terrorism warning. Law enforcement agency concerned radical anti-government groups may be moving into the area. Uh, Bandera, Texas, which is near San Antonio. The Bandera County Sheriff's Office issued a warning Thursday to citizens about an anti-government movement known for acts of domestic terrorism. The law enforcement agency said followers of the Sovereign Citizens Movement have been known to carry out violent acts, including killing law enforcement officers and other public servants. 
the sheriff's office told KSAT 12 News the warning was prompted by the recent shooting death of Bexar County Sheriff's Deputy Sergeant Kenneth Van. We have domestic terrorism right at our doorstep, says Captain Charlie Hicks of the Bandera County Sheriff's Office. Now, before we get to the interesting part. Uh, Hicks says, while there's no evidence Van's death has any links to the sovereign citizens, it's the same type of crime followers are known for. Um, skipping ahead here, uh, our, that's our main concern, citizen safety and police officer safety in this area, Hicks said. According to Hicks, followers of the anti-government anarchist movement share the belief that the 14th Amendment to the United States Constitution has tricked Americans into becoming citizens of the United States and has offered them privileges such as driver's licenses and other government benefits, benefits which act as so-called hidden contracts through which Americans effectively have given up their sovereignty. Hicks said followers are often very vocal about their beliefs. They're very serious in their beliefs and very serious when they go to do violence. They'll kill you in a New York minute. Hicks says while a tra- said while a training camp for similar anti-government groups was discovered in Kerr County in the past, there is no evidence any members are currently operating in Bandera County, but Hicks says re- residents should still be cons- cautious. Don't be getting into heated arguments with these people because the potential for violence is there. The FBI considers the sovereign citizens movement one of the nation's top domestic terror threats. Oklahoma City bombing co-conspirator Terry Nichols was a follower. Uh, Hicks says citizens are urged to report any suspicious activity to the Bandera County Sheriff's Office or your nearest local law enforcement agency. Well, so there he goes. Like, there's no actual evidence, but they're moving in. Mm-hmm. It's domestic terrorism. By the way, I just did a follow-up. A follow-up that was from KSAT. I mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. KWTX says. Uh, of that shooting of of, uh, Sheriff's Deputy Sergeant Ken Fan. Ballistic tests show that a rifle that authorities seized from the home of a man charged in the ambush killing of a Bexar County Deputy Sheriff is a match to the weapon used in the slang. Authorities believe Gonzalez was drunk and on antidepressant medication during the unprovoked and apparently random attack. So, there you go. He took a random attack that even his own thing said and said, well, terrorists are moving into the area. Mm -hmm. So... Let's just let's make yeah. it up as we go. You get fed money, it comes in. Yeah. You identify the T word. Yep. You know, you get all sorts of new resources and mm-hmm. goodies and stuff like that. Indeed. So, Bunch of terrorists. Yeah, DHS money. Yeah. You know? Well, they're they're coming. Here coming over the gates. People will start doing traffic violations and they'll be terrorists. Yeah. I saw uh copblock dot org, which is a, a website I look at every mm-hmm. once in a while. They have they're pretty wild, man. They've actually, they've actually got like got the copblock.org like van that's mm-hmm. outfitted with all sorts of gizmos like uh, you know listening to radio, police radio and yeah. stuff. And they'll go to a place. They went to uh, Manchester, I think Manchester, uh, New Hampshire, because they heard things. The cops were getting a little haywire yeah. there, so they they drove over there and got organized about 35 people to drive around and film the police. For a couple of weeks on end. Really? It's a it's a wild video. They have the whole thing up there at copblock.org. Copblock.org. Yeah. That sounds interesting. It's an interesting video, man. Interesting video. It's copblock.org. Yeah. Um, you know, there's one at one point the cops are throwing some guy in the in in the in the the van and they said, What it what you know, we just like to know. Uh, as concerned citizens what what this person is suspected of doing and they yeah. said, We don't have to tell you and he said, "Well, can you at least give me your name and badge number?" And they, you know, they mm-hmm. swore at him. 
yeah. and, you know, said some unflattering things about him and then jumped in the car and left. Yeah. Now, according to, uh, I looked it up, and according to, to state law there, that's that's illegal. Hmm. So they're just kind of making it up as they go. Yeah. Uh, you know, you can cite that stuff even on the premises, and they don't care. They don't care. Yeah, don't there care. was that... There was that video recently where this dude was filming at a uh, sort of an open air market in Arizona, yeah. and the cops cops were pounding on some guy for what seemed mm-hmm. like no reasons, kind of suspicious. And another cop pulled him aside and says, "You can't film." And he said, "I have a legal right to do mm-hmm. so." And the cop says, "You know what? I'm up here, and you're down here, so don't give me any lip." Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that's that's a, that's a word for word. That's quote. a public servant for you. Isn't yeah, it? yeah. To serve and protect. Yeah. Yeah, because he's up there. Mm-hmm. He's up here. Well, can I dig into another hole here? Great. Um, I'm going to just say something that's a little strange kind of thing here to kick off a, a different topic, okay? Mm-hmm. I was reading some story today that was going a certain way and explaining something, and it mentioned something called the Ofer Brothers. I don't know if you've ever heard of them. O-F-E-R. Is that like, isn't that like body organs that uh, were... You get from animals and stuff. Ofer? Oh, no, that's no, awful. Awful. Yeah, awful. Or yeah. awful, yeah. Uh, this is uh, Ofer Brothers. They are in the Israeli family shipping business. Okay. Okay. They're, they're basically the two richest guys in Israel. They're multi-billionaires, okay? Mm-hmm. They own one of the largest private shipping companies in the world. Uh, Sammy Ofer, he just died. Uh, and then his brother, Yuli, uh, was born in Haifa. Uh, and they, they ran this company since the 50s. And it's branched into aviation, high-tech, private equity, media, real estate. Mm-hmm. Okay. It, um, they, they also own shares in Israel Corporation and a bunch of other kind of stuff. Well, it says in 2001, the United States imposed sanctions on the corporation after it, this is this year, allegedly sold a tanker to Iran shipping lines. Uh, as I was doing some other readings on it, uh, and I guess... The company, uh, see, a dozen other Ofer Brothers ships have been docked in Iranian ports since the last decade. Now, these guys are obviously, they're sort of favorite sons of Israel, you mm-hmm. know, treated really well, yeah. sort of identifying with them. very well. They're sort of the pride, pride of Israel, because they're, mm-hmm. they're, they're the main uh, money guys mm-hmm. in Israel that shows their clout worldwide. worldwide. Mm-hmm. But in the meantime, they're docking other ships in Iranian ports. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not sure about this, but... I think the current uh, boycotts and blockades that go on are economic, and I think most countries in the world aren't doing business with Iran, at least like Europeans and stuff, mm-hmm. which has created a void that Israel has caught in with their bitter enemy, their bitter enemy that they're, you know, so stand against, except there's money to That's be made. That's interesting. Yeah. I, I read some other articles that had more details, but the thing that brought up is somebody referred in an article to a term I wasn't familiar with, and that was this term. They referred to these guys as being um, Hasbara. Hasbara, was, I thought, was a company that, that made uh, board games, but yeah. uh, it's not. <laughs> in fact, if you look Hasbara, just to start off in Wikipedia... How do you spell that? H-A-S-B-A-R-A. H-A-S-B-E-R-A. It, it's a co- common time-honored concept in Israel, uh, and it refers uh, to public diplomacy in Israel. It says it refers to public relations efforts to disseminate information about Israel. The term is used by the Israeli government and its supporters to describe efforts to explain government policies and promote Israel in the face of what they consider negative press about Israel around the world. Others view Hasbara as a euphemism for propaganda. 
Now, the key is, is Hasbara, from, from what I've understood, is an endemic part of modern-day Israel. That they believe a major effort of what they have to do is to basically send people into other governments and provide a heavy effort to get people on the side of Israel and do stuff. And this is something that they just consider a fundamental part of their operations. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the meaning of the term. While Hasbro typically means explanation, its exact import and its current usage is debated. Uh, Gideon Maier has said there is no real precise translation of the word has bear in English or any other language and is characteristic as public dis diplomacy, an action taken by all governments around the world with the growing importance of what Harvard professor Joseph Nye termed soft power. Gary Rosenblatt describes it as advocacy. Hasbro has been described as pro-Israel propaganda. Uh, while propaganda strives to highlight the positive aspect of one side of a conflict, Hasbro seeks to explain actions whether or not they are justified. Uh, early usage of the term in English mainstream print media dates to the late 70s and describes Hasbro as overseas image building. According to the Washington Post, it is called Hasbro when the purpose is to reshape public opinion abroad. In the early 80s, Hasbro was defined as a public relations campaign. In Newsweek, it was referred to as uh, explaining. In 1986, New York, Times, New York Times reported a similar late 70s period for the start of the program for communicating defense goals. In a 1984 implementation of the Hasbro Project to train foreign service officers in communications by placing them with American companies. Hmm. Okay. That's the interesting. Hasbro project was would they people they would be sent overseas and they would put them in American companies to represent Israel. Okay. Uh, Carl Spielvogel, chairman of Bakker and Spielvogel, traveled to Israel to advise the government on communicating its defense goals. That's like a Klingon last name. Yeah, it's like saying it. The trip led to the Hasbro Project, an internship program established to train foreign service op officers in communications by putting them again with, with U.S. companies. Shmuel Kotz's book, Battleground, Fact and Fantasy in Palestine, published in 1973, was described as an encyclopedic source book for those involved in Israel's Hasbro effort. In 1977, Prime Minister Menachem Begin named Katz advisor to the Prime Minister of Information Abroad. During the Madrid Conference of 91, the Age newspaper described Netanyahu as having perfected the craft of delivering his message pugnaciously in made-for-television soundbites. In May 92, the Jerusalem Post reported that American Jewish leaders hardly reacted to news that the Foreign Ministry's Hasbro Department would be eliminated as part of a sweeping reorganization of the ministry. Malcolm Honline uh, noted that there had been talk of streamlining the ministry's Hasbro functions for some time. So it's an actual office, like a propaganda office. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, he said that merging the Hasbara's department's function with those of the press did not portend any downgrading in the priority the Likud government gives to Hasbara abroad. Now, their press department, you would think press, is to objectively just report news. Mm -hmm. just, just tell people exactly what's happening in the news. Well, Apparently now it's not. been merged with a group that has a, a propaganda effort mm -hmm. to get people overseas over to your side. Okay? Uh, it'd be sort of like, I mean, in Stalin, they had the same kind mm -hmm. of stuff. And, of course, we have... CIA and DOD people now embedded in our media uh, for the same yeah. purpose. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> he says, 
they said, if eliminating one department means everyone will assume a greater responsibility for his or her own efforts in distributing Hezbera, then he is all in favor, you know, through the press. Mm-hmm. It also reported that personnel in foreign Hezbera departments, okay, there's mm-hmm. departments in other countries like here, would be shifted to press departments, which is where much of the work currently done by Hezbera officials properly belongs. He explained that Israel's efforts to provide Hezbera abroad would focus on media communications. In 2001, Shemuel Kotz published a retrospective of Israeli Hezbara efforts and said that the task of Israel's Hezbara must be tackled not by occasional sudden sallies, but by the separate permanent department in the government. Sharon did create Hezbara efforts, but he did not create a cabinet-level ministry for that purpose. It's also in 2001, an Israeli foreign affairs ministry, the diplomatic arm of the government of Israel, was the original co-sponsor of the Hezbara Fellowships activities of Aish HaTorah. Oh, they come now, Aish HaTorah huh? is the group, remember we were talking about uh, a couple months ago, mm-hmm. was the group that was providing the money for this Clarion Productions that was doing the anti-Sharia videos with Frank Gaffney, mm-hmm. the Iranium and all this other kind of stuff, and Aish HaTorah was the group doing it. Well, this makes it extremely clear that the government is bankrolling in Israel, these people. The, the Israeli Foreign Affairs Ministry. Yeah. So the dip- Israelis are, are bankrolling these, the uranium. Uranium and this, these, yeah, these documentaries. Other, other videos, yeah, I mean, the dipl- uh, and, and it's basically sort of a Hezbera uh, mission, okay? Uh, mm-hmm. The Jewish Agency for Israel, Department for Jewish Zionist Education, operates a campaign. Hezbera, Israeli Advocacy, Your Guide to the Middle East Conflict. In May 2007, the Hezbera Fellowships opined that Wikipedia is not an objective resource, but rather an online encyclopedia that anyone can edit. The result is a website that is in large part controlled by intellectuals, okay, in quotes, who seek rewrite the history of the Arab-Israeli conflict. These authors have systematically yet uh, subly rewritten key passages of thousands of Wikipedia entries to portray Israel in a negative light. You have the opportunity to stop this dangerous trend. If you are interested in joining a team of Wikipedians to make sure Israel is presented fairly and accurately, please contact our director. Hmm. So they're targeting Wikipedia through this premeditated effort. Hmm. A similar advocacy campaign on Wikipedia was launched by the camera in May 2008. It resulted in administrative action by the encyclopedia, and several editors were banned. In 2002, uh, the Israeli State Controller's Office issued a report critical of Israel's PR efforts, uh, a, sac- a lack of overall strategic public relations conception and objective, and a lack of coordination between various organizations were mentioned. Uh, the funding levels are modest. The Ministry of Foreign Affairs spent $8.6 million in the effort in 2002, and the government press office was only budgeted $100,000. Uh, in 2008, Yarden Valakay was appointed to Israel's domestic and foreign media policy. I'm getting to the end here. Mm-hmm. In 2009, Israel's foreign ministry organized volunteers to add pro-Israeli commentary on news websites. Okay, so the, the oh. foreign ministry is controlling the people who are actually putting stuff on websites worldwide. In July 2009, it was announced that the Israeli foreign ministry would assemble an internet warfare squad to spread a pro-Israel message on various websites with funding of 600,000 shekels, or 150 grand. The Israel Citizens Information Council, ICIC, 
says its purpose is to assist efforts to explain Israeli life from the vantage point of the average Israeli citizen. To that end, the ICIC enlists Israelis from all walk of life to participate in its various projects. One of our major activities is the production of special PowerPoint presentations in which we post on our website. These presentations review specific aspects and issues related to Israel and the Middle East. Some Hasbara experts study methods used by Palestinian activists and hmm. offer advice on how to respond. Describing, demonst- listen to this. Describing demonstrators as youths, for example, creates a different impression from calling them children. Okay, and you know how this stuff percolates into our news, okay, mm-hmm. in describing events. They draw attention to the subtle differences between the meaning uh, between words, such as demonstration and riot, terror organization and Palestinian political organization. They advise against name-calling and point scoring. Edward Said wrote that Hasbara methods used during the Second Intifada included lunches and free trips for influential journalists, seminars for Jewish university students, invitations to congressmen, Pamphlets and donation of money for election campaigns. Telling photographers and writers what to photograph or write about. Lecture and concert tours by prominent Israelis. Frequent references to the Holocaust. Advertisements in the newspapers attacking Arabs and praising Israel. So Mm. that's the end of the Wikipedia entry on it. Wow. What that tells you is, is that not only does Israel, you know, like other uh, foreign countries may send agents to a country like the, U- the U.S. Mm-hmm. and might be trying to steal secrets or do other kind of things, get intelligence data. But in Israel, at least, they actually send people out from all walks of life with a previous re- organization with the government, which w- it's a small country. Almost everybody knows each other. They worked in the military together. They have connections that we can't really relate to. If mm-hmm. you're over in Israel, you find this stuff out. Mm-hmm. Everybody has an inside with somebody. So mm-hmm. anyway, they have this relationship where they've been task while they go do their stuff also to specifically play up Israel. Hmm. Not just because of their own personal beliefs or like, hey, I like Israel, I like living there, but they've been given a mission to do this. Yes. It would be like if your senators called you, like if you were going to go on a tour, you know, music tour, and said, mm-hmm. I want you specifically to talk about all the great things about America. And in fact, here's a script of things you might want to mention around these people. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it's just funny you mention that because our government, our government does do that. They actually employ bands to go out and and do pro-government messages. I know that because mm-hmm. because I was almost employed by one. Really? Yeah. Would you have been identified as such when you went? Yeah. So, but 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 yet they would have it said would have been, it would have been clear like part of the military or yeah. something like that. Yeah. 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 Because I mean I know the military even has rock bands and stuff like that mm-hmm. through you know Air Force and stuff. Yeah. But but this is stuff where it's not disclosed. And so they're going into media and changing like words. Like if it said, if it said uh, children for attack, they'd change mm-hmm. it to use because it doesn't seem as tarnished. Yeah, it's a lot like that. It's a lot like that NSA style document I was reading just recently. Yeah, they had a NSA puts out this public relations style document every year, and somebody got a hold of it and put it out online. And right on the first page, they say, uh, always, if 304 people were killed. Always round the number. About 300 people were killed. Uh, if you don't know something, don't say, I don't know. Speak authoritatively as if you do know. Yeah. And on and on and on. You know, just that, that type of stuff. It goes so, on in churches all the time. Sure, sure. It's, well, uh, the, one thing that we're just, that's, the one thing that I would say different about this is that it seems to be much more endemic 
yeah. and part of the culture there in Israel. Premeditate. Well, it is a specific plan. They feel. Mm-hmm. They, they really feel not to. In it. Yeah. yeah, and not really to talk about it. My, I mean, like, I'm here to represent Israel, and I'm here to tell you how good they are. Mm-hmm. That's not the way they do it. Yeah. Well. And it, but it affects our media. It affects you know when you hear these talking heads come on TV. You don't know which of these people are planted from whoever. You always you know, unplug your TV. Whatever going on. You could do that. Take the bat to it, like you said. Yeah. Um, I know you, I want you to pick up a story. Can I just give a quick paragraph about this Hezbera Fellowship? Please, please So do. people know what it is. Uh-huh. Okay, Hezbera Fellowship is an organization that brings students to Israel and trains them to be effective pro-Israel activists on their campuses. Mm-hmm. Okay, <clears throat> it's based in New York. It was started in 2001 by Aisha Torah in conjunction with the Israeli Ministry of Foreign Affairs. The organization claims to have trained nearly 2,000 students on 220 North American campuses. Wow. So we have a foreign government that actually brings our students to go back and basically be agents acting on their behalf. Well, I knew that that was the case. I, I had a lot of, uh, of um, uh, Hebrew and Israeli students that yeah. I was friends with when I was going to college. And uh, one of the things that I always thought was odd is they always had this common connection they would talk about going to different camps and stuff that was, like, in Israel and put mm-hmm. on. I said, really? Wow, boy, I mean, it must be expensive to go there. Yeah. Like, oh, no, it's not that big a deal. Yeah. And, and then later on I found out that somebody else was bankrolling it. Right. And then later on I found out that it was the Israeli government bankrolling it. And there's a purpose. It's yeah. not just done for, you know, grins. Yeah. It says students in the program have the opportunity to meet high-level Israeli officials. Um, a sample itinerary given by the organization includes meetings in Jerusalem and with the foreign press advisor to the prime minister of Israel. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the foreign press would be the guy who would say, here's how you should deal in the foreign thing. Mm-hmm. Okay, the mayor of an Israeli city, a member of Knesset, and a foreign minister of Israel. Hezbera Fellowships uh, was founded and is, as of 2011, still run by Rabbi Elliot Mathias, who has a degree in communications from Northwestern University. Mm-hmm. Activists trained by Hasbara Fellowships have been involved in several notable campus demonstrations. In 2002, Hasbara Fellowships organized a rally at the National Student Palestinian Conference at the University of Michigan. In 2007, Hasbara Fellowship members at Brandeis University protested against former U.S. President Jimmy Carter's book, Palestine, Peace, Non-Apartheid. In May 2007, Hasbara Fellowships called for volunteers to counter that what it described as a dangerous trend of Wikipedia entries portraying Israel in negative light. Interested readers were encouraged to consider joining a team of Wikipedians to make sure Israel is presented fairly and accurately. In 2008, Hasbara Fellowships helped to organize Islamic State Apartheid Week at York University to counter the rival Israeli Apartheid Week. Whoa. In 2010, Hasbara Fellows created Israel Peace Week as a response to Israel Apartheid Week. In its first year, the program reached 28 campuses in the U.S. and three in Australia. Hmm. So um, I just wanted to clarify that that Asia tour people are connected to that. <coughs> and basically, you know what? Hey, if most Futurians are like me, naive, and think, you know, when you're listening to a free form of ideas of people that you're hearing, maybe it's on campus or in the media or whatever, you figure maybe everybody's just giving their opinion. And then you start finding out, wait, everybody else hearing this argument's on the payroll for somebody. Yeah. Except for you and me. You always got to watch out for people wearing nice suits. You know? They're all yeah. they're all got somebody else they're representing mm-hmm. in making these arguments. And and then we're forming decisions based upon people who are paid spokesmen for all these folks. Sure. But then they don't disclose it. 
Yeah. You know, at least on TV, when you've got a star who's representing some company or medical product, they'll say, I'm a paid spokesperson for yeah. Block. These people mm-hmm. don't disclose that. No, they're just there doing their thing. Yeah. They don't say, I've been bought by XYZ country. Yeah. You know. Mm-hmm. It's, um... And it makes you wonder how many of our religious leaders in the Christian church could be part of that program. Well, one thing that this has just sort of highlighted for me is that is that, you know... Uh, I've long suspected the American, the American uh, government has done things like this, and here we see the Israeli government doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm pretty sure that the Chinese government does it, although they're a little bit less effective. I they're don't more heavy-handed. They may be doing intelligence like uh, espionage and businesses and stuff. Uh-huh. I don't picture them as much in the press trying to make people look at communism and Chinese in a nice way because I just simply don't hear it. In the media, I don't hear a lot of apologists for the communist Chinese in the media. Mm. Well, I don't, I don't. They may come over and steal stuff and not tell her, but they're not. They're not trying to get people on their side. Well, they I, true, true. They don't. They don't mm. do it. They don't do it that way. They do do it. I think through a lot of back doors of political contributions and stuff. And in that, you know, maybe you yeah, open maybe. it up. Open it up to a wide array of things. Which I don't think they're supposed to give contributions in foreign elections. No. No, they don't. They're, yeah, they're not supposed to. But of course, I know that would never happen then. If yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. a complete mystery. Right. Um, you ready for another story? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, California SWAT team breaks into home, detains family over student loan default. Uh, okay. It's interesting Better that... pay those student loans, it sounds it's like. It's interesting that in researching this, that News 10, which is the where this came from, News10.com, uh, News 10... Actually, they had a story that was much more critical of this whole thing, and I forgot to save it. So we have to go with the lightened up story. Okay. Um, so they had a story. Uh, I'm sure if I I'm sure if I got in there, Google and and, and search for the cachet, you know, I could yeah. find it. But uh, yeah, they uh, they had a first story, and then they disappeared, replacing it with a much much softer story. But that's that's sort of the the end all. The SWAT team breaks into the home and detains a, the, an entire family over student loan defaults. Uh, and uh, uh, it's also important that the U.S. Department of Education uh, serve the search warrant. We'll get to all that stuff, but I'll, I just wanted to throw those two the things out. The Department of Education has the authority to search people's homes. Apparently do, apparently they do, because they were the people who served the search warrant uh, and gave it to the local SWAT team. Mm-hmm. Okay. A federal education official Wednesday morning offered little information as to why federal agents raided a Stockton man's home on Tuesday. The resident, Kenneth Wright, does not have a criminal record, and he had no reason to believe why what he thought was a SWAT team would be breaking down his door at 6 in the morning. I look out my window, and I see 15 police officers, Wright said. As Wright came downstairs in his boxer shorts, he said the officers barged through his front door. Wright said an officer grabbed him by the neck and led him outside on his front lawn. He had his knee on my back, and I had no idea why they were here, uh, Wright said. According to Wright, officers also woke his three young children, ages 3, 7, and 11, and put them in a Stockton police patrol car with him. Officers then searched his house. They put me in handcuffs in that hot patrol car for six hours, traumatizing my kids, Wright said. Uh... As it turned out, the person law enforcement was looking for, Wright's estranged wife, was not there. Wright said later he went to Stockton Mayor Ann Johnston and Stockton Police Department, uh, but learned the the city of Stockton had nothing to do with the search warrant. 
U.S. Department of Education spokesman Justin Hamilton confirmed for News 10 Wednesday morning federal agents with the Office of the Inspector General, uh, not local SWAT, served the search warrant. Hamilton would not say specifically why the raid took place except that it was part of an ongoing investigation. Hamilton said the search warrant was not related to student loans in default as reported in the local media, which uh, is pretty ambiguous. Uh, right. there, there, there are other people that say that that's exactly what it was about. So, there you go. So, the Department of Education is now searching, serving search warrants on people who default on their student loans. Everything has to be the most extreme way anymore. And see, this is what the whole war on terror has bought us, Patriot yeah. Act and everything. Yeah, 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 yeah. Is that it has militarized every aspect of our society. Mm -hmm. And that's how we've decided how government does things. They go, knocks a door down. That is, that is just the normal way, and then they ask questions later. And, and what they've also found, too, is that if they screw up and accidentally kill somebody or do something, there, there, there's very little that they're held accountable for from prior cases. So why not do it? Well, yeah. There's what, a, what, what restrains them from using these extreme? Many of our fu Futurians may already be aware of this, but there's this horrible case going on right now in Arizona of a guy named Jose Guerna, who was a two-term U.S. Marine mm -hmm. uh, recon right. guy who served two tours of duty in Iraq, uh, who was uh, asleep in the back room after, after spending like a 10- or 12-hour shift at the local mine where he worked. And his wife was up front folding clothes, and she saw all these dudes dressed in yeah. black trying to pound down his door. And uh, he went, she went running back and said, honey, go, there's people at the door. Mm -hmm. they're, they're all dressed in black, not wearing police right. identification stuff, just black garb with, with machine guns. Mm -hmm. And uh, um, so they knocked down his front door. He's a Marine. He's a Marine. So uh, he shows up at the door. Uh, with a with an M16, the uh, uh, the police preemptively shoot him 71 times. Yeah. Uh, take the people out of the house, the wife and the son, and then uh, keep them in the keep them in the car. They call a paramedic and then leave, and then make sure the paramedics don't show up and uh, uh, treat mm -hmm. the guy for an hour and a half. They hold him off the yeah. scene for an hour yeah. and a half until they made sure he was dead. He bled to death. So they, mm -hmm. they even and they no even, witnesses. Yeah, and they even yeah. had trained paramedics uh, in their SWAT team thing, but they yeah. refused to let them treat. And um, so, what was their reason why they didn't treat? Uh, they said he might be dangerous. So he could still have a lot of strength in him after those seventy-one hits. Yeah, 71, 71 bullets. Yeah, and you know, an hour and a half later, he's yeah bleeding all over the place. Yeah, um, so. Yeah, what ended up happening is that they had actually, they hadn't, I believe they hadn't bothered to get uh, a full search warrant. Yeah. They had just suspected that he was involved in some drug smuggling. So because yeah. a, a second cousin, which he didn't have a lot of relation to, was involved in, in you mm -hmm. know low-level drug sales. And so they just pounded his door down mm. and uh, shot him full of holes. And uh, uh, what's interesting is the press conference that the, the I believe it was the chief of police had over this whole thing. He said, I don't know why the citizens of this county are so afraid we do these type of raids all the time. <laughs> oh, great. Yeah. yeah now we, really in fact, he even of. gave a number. He said, we do 50 of these raids a year. Yeah. So it's like. It's but crazy. at least we live in a land of freedom and liberty, not like the communist countries. Yeah. Well, wait a second. They would drop their, knock their doors in, too. Hmm. Yeah. 
The only difference is that they sort of did it with greater frequency, yeah. you know. But uh, perhaps we'll get there soon enough. I don't know. Well, can I read a story that will uh, actually be, unlike our others, be controversial? Great. I can start taking this in controversial territory. (laughs) All right. This is one of those ones where probably however I comment on this, I will get in trouble with different people, okay? Mm -hmm. This is sort of new territory for us, okay? Okay. Okay. Gay men kicked out of public pool in Kentucky, and official cites the Bible as reason. What? Yeah. Well, it's a public pool. Why? Two gay men with developmental and intellectual disabilities were kicked out of a swimming area at the Pavilion, a government recreational facility in Hazard, Kentucky. The men were clients of Mending Hearts Incorporated, which provides support for individuals with developmental and intellectual disabilities, according to the Kentucky Equality Federation. The KEF says that the official that kicked the men out cited the Bible as the reason. The pavilion staff immediately entered the pool area and asked my clients and their staff to leave the pavilion, stated uh, Sherilyn Perkins, executive director of Mending Hearts. My staff asked the pavilion staff what they were, why they were being asked to leave, and they were informed that gay people weren't allowed to swim there. My staff, what? yeah, my staff told this is just their testimony. My staff told this man that what he was trying to do was discrimination. The man stated that what he was doing was in the Bible and he could do it. My staff continued to argue with this man, but it was ultimately forced to leave. My clients, whom already feel ridiculed and different, left the city-owned facility crying and embarrassed for trying to participate in normal activities that everyday normal people do. Um, this is the Kentucky Quality Federation contacted the city manager, Carlos Combs, Mayor Nan Gorman, and the Office of the Governor, and a protest is being planned. Um, so, um, I mean, you and I believe the Bible. Mm-hmm. We believe that homosexuality is condemned. It's mm-hmm. sin. Mm-hmm. Okay? That's not a question. Well, we know that. There's a lot of sins. Lying tongue, a whole bunch of things in Scripture. But this is on that list. Yep. Certainly. But yet... Very serious. He, it's right. That's right. And, you know, Christ can provide deliverance. But here you have, to, I don't know the details. I don't know what they were doing in the pool. I don't know any of that kind of stuff, you know? Yeah. Uh, I don't see it listed here. But here are people with some disabilities. The more that I think about this. Yeah. But, but it is sort of interesting if it is true. If it is true what this people saying, get out of this government pool because the Bible says so. And I, I guess, again, not knowing some details on this, but just going on that. In fact, I'll try to, if you all find out anything else in the news, I'd like to. And hear the rest of it. Yeah. Is that, do you think, if the, if it's as it happened, do you think that it's right for Christians that are working as a state employee to, given that we know the Bible condemns homosexuality, would use that argument as an excuse to kick them out of a public place? What do you think? No. No. And that doesn't mean you endorse homosexuality or trying to promote no, it, right? No, of course not. I, I definitely don't endorse it, but uh, there's three things that happen when you do that, one of which is that people, you know, when I, when I talk with people, mm-hmm. uh, uh, oftentimes I find out non-believers, it all comes down to one of two things. The reason they don't believe is because they, they, it's, a, it's an emotional reaction. They don't mm-hmm. like 
something that Christians have done to them in the past. Yeah. Or it's an intellectual one. Yeah. Intellectual intellectual ones are easy. Yeah. You know, you can just prove to it. Mm-hmm. But the 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 emotional ones are nearly impossible and it's always because mm-hmm. somebody did something wrong to them. Yeah. Now, as far as this this assuming it's reported, we don't know what yeah. they were doing, you know, maybe right. they were like, you know, rolling around in the pavement or something, you know. But according to them it was not because they were like being frisky or something. Yeah, it was or just, they, had... they were just they happened to be gay dudes. Mm-hmm. And and uh, you know uh, that falls that certainly falls under an equal protection of the law thing. I I would I would think. Mm-hmm. And you know? and what I'm wondering is, if we think about every word that we say and how we do it and keep focused on mission, of of reconciling people to God. Sometimes you have to tell somebody. When they're doing something wrong and it can be painful, is part of the process to reconcile somebody to God. In other words, if they're if they're if they're destroying themselves, you know, with a bottle or this or that, or there comes a time when you got to mm-hmm. lay it out to people. But in, in a lot of cases like this, is that do you think those people got closer to having a relationship with Jesus because of what they were told then? No, of course not. I mean, you know, if sin is sin, you're you've essentially I mean, you're singling them out for their sin, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and kicking them out of a public place. Yeah. It wouldn't be like if you had two gay people being physically amorous in a church service. Oh, yeah. No, and you'd I mean, say, this this is against our convictions, this is against yeah, what we believe, yep. you know. Now, we all know that probably in most churches there are people in the closet, gay people in our churches already. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're not going to be able to eliminate gay people from your church. You probably should create an environment that's welcome for them to hear the gospel, that yeah, they can do Jesus their business with the Lord, along with everybody else that has other sins in the yeah. church. That's a that's a that's a real tough. We haven't we've really not talked about this on Future Quake. Yeah. And, uh, it's not that I don't have enough people coming after me for the other stuff I said, but yeah. it uh, to me it just goes back to a fundamental thing of what we're placed here to do, and a time and a place. Hmm. You know how how it says in uh, was Ecclesiastes. You know, there's a time. <laughs> there's a time for all these things. A time <clears throat> to live, a time to die. And I would submit. And this is stuff. You know, I don't know. Maybe I'm just becoming you know hardcore lefty over the years, last two years or so. Yeah. But but when I think about how Jesus dealt with people like this in his ministry, mm-hmm. <clears throat> he went through a progression. His first thing was he established relationships with them. He was in their presence. They were drawn to him. And then after he developed some kind of connection with these people, where these people knew he cared about them and knew that he cared about their their well-being, then what he said was, go and sin no more. Yeah. I I was trying to think of the two people that would be closest to to open, open homosexuals in the Bible. And the, really, the only wow. the two people I can I can't really think of anybody yeah, who actually is identified as such. But but you know there was other I mean there was prostitutes. Yeah, I was going to say the woman with. at the well, Mary Magdalene. Both yeah, adulterers. yeah, there are other people that's yeah bad yeah, stuff. And, and what he what he did is he was like, look, you know, I'll show you a more excellent way. You know, he developed relation. Now he didn't compromise his beliefs. He didn't compromise his standards. Mm-hmm. But what he did was he developed relationships. He was able to show them that he was for real. And then he cared about their well-being. Mm-hmm. And once he had convinced them that they were legitimate about their well-being, then he told them the word they needed to hear to get right. Mm-hmm. Even Zacchaeus, you know, 
Zach, he was the one who found Zacchaeus in the tree and said, let me come to your house. Jesus invited himself. Okay, so, so then he goes to Zacchaeus' house, and he's there, and Zacchaeus feels the warmth of Jesus, the pleasure. He was so honored to have Jesus there, mm-hmm. you know. And then even then, in that case, he was motivated himself to say, I need to return my money back to these people and get myself right. And Jesus' response was, salvation's come to this house today. Interesting, yeah. You know, Jesus never once endorsed stealing. He never endorsed any of those other kind of things or or whatever like that. I don't think he even once mentioned that the Roman, talked to the Roman official, said they should pass a law against any of it. You know, it's interesting. We've we've talked at at great lengths off air about about situations like this and things that surround this. And it's... It seems like Christians have decided they want to be the baddest guy on the block. Exactly. They want to, you know. It's very strident. Yeah, very. Uh, Confrontate. Always confrontations. The first. Yeah, approach. you know, there's a there's a, a theological group that I've un, sort of unsubs- unsubscribed to, mm-hmm. uh, strictly because uh, people in theological whose theological points oftentimes I would agree with. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, maybe yeah. sixty to seventy percent. Um, they're so strident and shouting down other people that don't agree with them. There's mm-hmm. dispensational, non-dispensational yeah. people, for, people from all from all things. And I, at, at some point, I just get I get so tired of mm-hmm. of you know the it, it seems like they're always shouting at people. Yeah, you know, and that I'm just tired of it. Yeah, the technique is one of it's dire. We got to put up a big fight. Mm-hmm. This is all about a big fight we got to do, mm-hmm. you know, to protect e- either external heathens or mm-hmm. even within the ch- Christian people. And, you know, you and I are both, we would be considered conservative in our Bible beliefs. I mean, we, we believe that the Bible, sure. you know, is, is true what it is, literal. I mean, those things that it says not to do, mm-hmm. we believe not doing it. We're not questioning the veracity of the Scripture and all these things. It's really a technique of how to fulfill what God has called us to do to bring people to a state to be, have a right relationship with God mm-hmm. without excusing anything, you know? Mm-hmm. Because if, you know, what you're saying, if if you don't go yell at somebody and shake a fist. By the way, um, I guess yesterday, I missed it, but I guess Westboro Baptist had their big protest of a funeral here in Nashville, oh, man, I which, I, which I wish I had known I would like to have been there. I'd like to have been there, you know, yeah. not with Westboro, but no, on the other side of, of the street. Yeah, yeah, maybe trying to love them. But that's how the world sees the church, is a mm-hmm. bunch of Westboro Baptists. There's, there's a very good introduction to a book that I read recently by a guy named David Fitch, yeah. who talks about how he's a, he's a pastor, uh, he's a, uh, a professor and a pastor, Mm-hmm. And he goes and he does church plantings and stuff like yeah. that. And uh, uh, he was got together with his neighbors and they were having a barbecue. And, and he told them he was an evangelical Christian pastor. And it was like everything stopped for a few seconds. And they all kind of looked at him like, whoa. Mm-hmm. And the next question out of them, nobody said anything for about 45 seconds. And they said, are you a Christian like George W. Bush is a Christian? <laughs> and... Uh, he said, nah, you know, and he explained. He said, no, yeah. I, you know, ex- explained himself. I can't yeah. remember what it what it was, but uh, and then later he made the analogy, which I thought was very fascinating. Uh, he says, Christianity, uh, in our quest, uh, in in our quest to evangelize people, has almost become 
um, we've lost we've lost sight of the loving aspect of of, of Christianity. Right. You know, it, it's a numbers game in so many respects. And he made the analogy of of Diet Coke. Mm. He said, in some ways, it's a lot like Diet Coke in that uh, originally the function of a beverage was to either quench thirst mm-hmm. or provide some type of uh, pleasure through, mm-hmm. um, you know, a, a fizzy sweet drink. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, a, a similar to like like liquid dessert, you might yeah, say. Yeah. Well, they, he says Diet Coke has kind of ceased that function because it doesn't quench your thirst. It actually mm-hmm. it actually ends up it actually ends up in your body's processes. It actually ends up providing negative negative water for your body to mm-hmm. use um, mm-hmm. because of all the salt in it and stuff. Yeah. And, and then the other thing is is that it doesn't actually taste all that good. Mm-hmm. And so. It's it's in some in some respects he says evangelical Christian has become like that because people just really want to be some some segments mm-hmm. of the population just really 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 want to be in charge and be yeah on top of it and and whatever coercive power they can get in their hand if shaming is not enough they'd like to have the power of government to be able to have a force of a club I, I tell you man at first I was a little offended by that analogy yeah and then I thought you know what. I think he's right. Yeah, I think I think there's some are some elements there where it's they've become like Diet Coke, mm-hmm. and uh, because and just just his interaction there, yeah, uh, interactions that I have with people, you know, yeah. there, uh, one guy, one guy I was speaking with said he'd rather pray to Zeus than he'd rather pray to my God, mm-hmm. and that is a that is not somebody who has turned away from Christianity from an intellectual right. thing. That is right. somebody who has there's baggage. He's been hurt. Well, you know, uh, when Pastor Chris and I went to Montreal and uh, we're um, talking to these people who were hardcore pagans, mm-hmm. and I remember one lady, a little old lady, that worshipped the Babylonian Queen of Heaven in her home. And she said there was lots of people like her around the country that did. Had a little altar in her house, baked cakes for it. And I guess she was raised a Christian, but her husband had been beating her. And she went to the pastor to talk about it. And he told her that a good Christian wife would just sort of stick it out mm. and endure that. And she didn't want any part of that Christianity. Yeah. You know, uh, since we're since we're sort of riffing here, you know, one of the stories that uh, uh, Joe Jordan, you know, a, yeah. a guy who's uh, I, I really look upon as, as somebody who's really out there doing it you yeah. know, on the yeah. forefront. Um, you know, he said back in the 70s when he was involved in churches, you know, mm-hmm. They uh, they said, well, you need to go to the war in Vietnam, and he said, well, I don't agree mm-hmm. with it. Yeah. And they said, really? well, you need to do it for, you need to do it for your country. And he says, I don't, I don't think so. I think yeah. we have a difference of opinion. And so when that didn't work, he said, well, they they needed, they told me I needed to go do it for God. And I said, no, I'm yeah. out of here. And he I'm got into New Age stuff. He, very he? heavily uh, involved. Yeah. 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 And That's then a, uh, you know, praise God, ended up getting yeah. saved and has a very f- fruitful ministry. And yeah. Well, I want to say one last thing because I want one more story from you and then we need to go to emails. All right. But um, I just want to say to make it clear to our listeners because we live in an American Christian culture now where people judge people so quickly and just immediately judge what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, when, when What you and I were sort of alluding to here with this about a time and a place and not mm-hmm. trying to bully somebody basically spiritually with something that we know is wrong, we, we live in a Christian culture where if you don't take that first moment instantaneously and start yelling at somebody when you know they're doing something that's morally not right, mm-hmm. that you basically are selling out. That either you agree to it or you're a coward. And that's how you're viewed. 
whereas I think it's a time-honored tradition from from the actions of Jesus and many other Christians through history that there is a time and a place for a person when to lead them to a point where they're ready to accept reproof in a constructive way mm-hmm. that will that will do something constructively good. Uh, if we go around like a bull in a china shop perpetually in society, it's the first instance we see something foul going on and going in and just ripping everybody apart. The odds are high. Those kind of people don't always get a whole lot accomplished. Mm-hmm. Now, some may. There's a few rare exceptions. But mm-hmm. I'd say for the most part, um, the, the, the spirit may say, wait don't use force, particularly don't, I mean, we've gone so far now where, like I said, we just want to get the biggest stick we can get in the stick's government mm-hmm. to try to force people to be devoted to God, which is just preposterous when you think about it. Yeah. But, you know, that's where we, we get things like this. When someone feels led by the Spirit to try to extend some grace to somebody, they get mad. It's like the... It's 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 like the guy the parable for the one who owned the, the he had the great debt he owed to the master, and he was forgiven it. And he goes out and some guy owns him pocket change. They start choking him to death, you know. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's the way we are with people. You know, we we've been owed a great debt to the Lord, but yet we see something where somebody has some shortcoming, and we immediately just start choking them to death, and we feel like we have righteous. Righteous indignation over it. Mm-hmm. When we don't realize how much grace the Lord has shown us. And patience and time mm-hmm. for us to come around ourselves. Yeah. So enough said. Give yeah. us your story. All good. All good points. Uh, do we want to hear about the new and improved FBI domestic invest- investigation operations guide? Uh, now, with even fewer Fourth Amendment yeah. protections. Or do we want to hear about the Iraqi war was merely a smokescreen for the largest theft of the tax of taxpayer funds in nation history. So says Stuart Bowen, special investigator. Can you do that in five minutes? Uh, the the latter. Yes. Yeah. Okay. This one's also from Zero Hedge. Okay. Uh, I've I've been frequenting there quite frequently. Yeah. Haunting uh, it. Yep. Um, back in 2004, following the disastrous Iraq War, started on false weapons of mass destruction pretenses, in which was nothing but a backdoor subsidy to various energy contractors close to the Bush administration, the U.S. government decided to impose a mini-Marshall plan and literally flood the country with billions in crisp $100 bills. The L.A. Times reports, Pentagon officials determined that one giant C-130 Hercules cargo plane could carry $2.4 billion in shrink-wrapped bricks of $100 bills. They sent an initial full plane load of cash, followed by 20 other flights to Iraq uh, by May 2004 in a $12 billion haul that U.S. officials believed to be the largest international cash airlift of all time. And here we are making fun of the chair Satan and his puny helicopter. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yet where the story gets very disturbing is, is that it now seems that more than half of this con- reconstruction funding was blatantly stolen. Despite years of audits and investigations, U.S. defense officials still cannot say what happened to $6.6 billion in cash. $6.6 billion. Uh, enough to run the Los Angeles Unified School District or the Chicago Public Schools for one year, among other things. For the first time, federal auditors are suggesting that some or all of the cash may have been stolen, not just mis- mislaid in an accounting error. Stuart Bowen, Special Inspector General for Iraq Reconstruction, an office created by Congress, said the missing $6.6 billion may be the largest theft of funds in national history. 
is another huge political embarrassment in store for the current U.S. administration, even if on this occasion it can legitimately be blamed on the predecessor? Uh, Hmm. uh, It appears so. The mystery is a growing embarrassment to the Pentagon and an irritant to Washington's relations relations with Baghdad. Iraqi officials are threatening to go to court to reclaim the money, which claim which came from Iraqi oil sales, seized Iraqi assets, and surplus mm-hmm. funds from the United States, the United Nations Oil for Food program. Prepare for many more hearings involving Halliburton uh, and friends. Mm. As for where the money is, why it has long been spent. So the article goes on, but that's yeah. sort of the encapsulation. Uh, do you get the feeling that that's what war is really all about? Well, opportunities to misappropriate large sums of money. Mm-hmm. I I do, in fact. Um, there are various ways people do it, and uh, uh, there's always there mm-hmm. always seems to be at least three goals. Mm-hmm. There's the stated one. Right. There is the cash one, and then there's oftentimes some sort of like weird spiritual slash propaganda thing mm-hmm. that's going on that that mm-hmm. is difficult to sort of. Play. Sometimes they're started mm-hmm. by some. Sometimes any one of those mm-hmm. three are the main goal. Yeah. But but they're always all mm-hmm. interchangeably in there, you know. But no matter what the war is or who the people behind it, one thing they can always count on is strong support from the American evangelical community. Yeah. It, it, his, whatever the war is. His, you know, historically over the last hundred years, yes, but whatever before that, war. not necessarily. Yeah. Yeah. You I know mean, that you wave the flag, get the flag out, and wave it. Tell them there's an enemy somewhere. You know that our government during World War One imprisoned thousands of Mennonites because they were pacifists. Yeah, and uh, uh, not just Mennonites, but other Quakers people. have often yeah. been run into that. Yeah, and even even yeah. some evangelicals of that yeah. of that era. In yeah. fact, they they put them in a um, in a prison. I can't remember mm. the guy. They're considered cowards. They're such cowards that they sacrificed their life rather than sitting out there. And going and getting behind a desk. You know, very few people actually get guns in their hands. But rather than doing that, they do their conscience and go set in a jail. Yeah. Even though they've broken no law. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what kind of cowards they are. It's interesting to... Well, it's interesting to look into that a little bit. They were all... Uh, one of the main guys who was involved in the water cure there in Phil- the Philippines. Yeah. Uh, they actually... Waterboarding. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he was actually in charge of... Uh, a, a prison there in Lawrence, Kansas, where they housed most of, most of these people. Really? And they would do stuff. Like one guy, he was a, um, uh, I can't remember the name of it, but it was a Russian sect yeah. that, uh, you know, to us would have some heretical beliefs, uh-huh. certainly. Yeah. Um, but was they were in prison, in prison there, and um, they were pacifists. Mm-hmm. And uh, they refused to do something that the, the the prison guards were trying to make him to do, so uh, he ended up sitting out in the sitting out in the cold of of a Kansas thing, and they threw cold water on him, yeah. shirtless, yeah. Uh, for hours, and he ended up dying of exposure out there from these guards mistreating mm-hmm. him because he wouldn't he refused to play yeah. play ball. That's pretty brave, if you ask me. Yeah, pretty brave to do that. That's not a coward. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's a. It, there are several stories like that that are rather fascinating. I'd like to learn more about that place too. Yeah, um, I think we're getting time. We need to get on to email. All if right. you don't mind. All right, let's, let's get on to some email. Okay. Uh, I'm I'm going to read a couple more recent emails just, and I'll get back to our overdue stack if you okay. don't mind. Yeah. This one is from Gordon 
There's a there's a there's a, a future quake listener who emails me occasionally saying you got to get to my email you still haven't got to my email oh. not not in a bad way but just well, really excited can you about tell it. who it is uh yeah okay I'll well, uh, write it down yeah I'll write it down I don't I, we don't purposely omit anybody it's it it can be easy to overlook because we get so far behind on emails that's why I wanted to hurry up and get into them mm-hmm. okay let, let let me start this email this is from uh, brother Gordon okay in North Carolina mm-hmm. and. Uh, Okay. Um, This is Dr. Future and Tom Bionic. Uh, After listening to your June 10th, uh, 2011 Tomorrow's Tremor Show, I wanted to send you a note and let you know how important your broadcasts are to me. I've wanted to write you many times before, but I could never seem to find the words to explain my appreciation for all your efforts. After hearing you read the email from a listener who stopped listening to your show because of attacks on the pharmaceutical sector and James Dobson, and how it affected you and Tom both. I decided now is the time to thank you for your ministry and to let you know you've added so much to my life in Christ. A few years after September 11, 2001, I saw the documentary entitled Loose Change, and I began the process of waking up from the slumber of my comfortable, uninformed life. You know, do you think those guys have any kind of idea that did that, how there's actually been a spiritual benefit to some Christians from seeing that? I mean, totally unintended. I never even thought of that necessarily. Yeah. But that's cool. I mean, it's, I mean, it's really cool. People have cool. mentioned it numerous times. Yeah. They need to be aware of that. It says, I was stunned, infuriated, and dispirited. After losing the second of two career-level jobs due to outsourcing, I turned my energies to studying more current and historical events. I hesitate to admit how much time I spent on YouTube, but in doing so, I discovered Chuck Missler, Dave Hunt, Stan Monteith, and Stan Dale, to name a few. I also came across a sample of videos that referenced your broadcast. I have been hooked ever since. That's why, people, you cannot, please, don't avoid mentioning us casually in something, in a forum or something on YouTube or whatever. Just name drop our name or a show. It could make a difference in somebody's life Mm -hmm. Um, in spite of us. Uh, I have only listened to about 150 hours of your archive so far. Well, shame on you, only 150 hours. I mean, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, But they have each been a blessing and have shed light on Scripture as well as glorified God. Mm Mm-hmm. Through your ministry, I've discovered Tom Horn, L.A. Marzulli, Peter Goodgame, Robert Luganbill, and so mm-hmm. many others. Yeah. Uh, also anxiously await each new weekly installment. Tomorrow's Tremors is a great way for me to recap the week's headlines from a Christian perspective and also pick up on news I haven't read. The format for your shows is one of the best I've heard. You and Tom are knowledgeable and well-spoken. You conduct your interviews in a well-rounded manner that's interesting and enjoyable to listen to. You're each insightful and understanding, and I've learned so much from you in a short period of months. Your shows are obviously the result of dedication, and I truly appreciate the amount of time and effort you expend for the benefit of your audience. Editing, research, scheduling, the time you spend with correspondence, speaking engagements, and balancing a family life all demand an enormous amount of commitment. Uh, you each are the epitome of excellence and are appreciated more than you know. Well, that person hit a lot of the kind of things that are all involved in, in the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, I pray daily for both you and the Future Quick Radio Show. I pray mm-hmm. daily. Good. For us. Well, I could sure use it, man. You are an enormous blessing to me and many others. In Jesus' name, this is Gordon in, in uh, New, New Hampshire or New, North Carolina, mm-hmm. and he says, "Remember that our Father in heaven does nothing arbitrarily. You may have upset a listener by sharing the truth with him about his profession, but if he's truly seeking the Father, then God is guiding him along a path to truth. You have done your part, good and faithful servant. Pray that our brother's eyes will be open to the veil of lies and deceit that obscure his path to truth." Mm-hmm. Well, that's such an eloquent email, and I just told them how much that they 
really picked me up and strengthened my soul with these words. Mm-hmm. And if you don't mind, they said something else follow on, if you yeah. don't mind. Yeah, sure. Uh, uh, Brother Gordon continues on another email. He says, uh, first of, uh, he says you can share the email. He says, I appreciate it, an honor. Uh, he says, in reference to your reply regarding other listeners leaving your show because you were negative or not negative enough about Muslims, I can only say that it is hard to hear the truth when you are not looking for it, particularly when it shatters one understanding of the word around them. Wow. We I don't st- know if I would have said that, but huh. I mean, that's, that's powerful. That's yeah, powerful. Yeah. Uh, we struggle all our lives to find our place in this lost and dying world, and when we finally become comfortable, it is our nature to resist any change to our understanding. Yeah, that's, that's true, mm-hmm. especially when we believe it to be the truth. I know I've been there. Only maturity can provide discernment, and then only through the grace of Father God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We cannot grow unless we are challenged, and we cannot find truth unless we seek it. The door will remain closed until we knock. Time is short for the forces of evil, and they know it. Signs are appearing like no time in our history, and for those who have eyes to see it, we are preparing and watching. We are called the elect, chosen by God the Father before time again. Not everyone is chosen. That is a hard truth to consider. Our Father in heaven, in his unfathomable love, gave us free will to choose. He also knew that in so doing, some of his children would not choose him. And his truth, rather, that they would choose the perverse lies and deceitful practices of the world controlled by Satan. I cannot imagine how this affected our Father in heaven. We are created by him, yet we can cause him grief. The creator and king of the universe can feel grief over us. Mm -hmm. I admit that I do not fully understand how this can be so, but I'm so thankful for his perfect love. He says, your calling has placed you in the spotlight, and that can feel like a lonely place. When constantly confronted by negative emotions and sentiments, it can wear you down over time. But remember this truth. Just above us uh, all stand the heavenly myriads of angels, and above them are seated the Father and the Son on the throne of the universe. This is our positive discussion for the day, okay? (laughs) They are watching. All of them are watching. You are never alone, and your strength is in Jesus the Christ, who has already overcome evil. They hated him first, and he's already won. That is why they, he told us that they would hate us too, and that we would seek our strength in he who has defeated evil and be victorious. Because of sin, we can no longer see into the heavens, and we forget that we are surrounded by them, that this world is part of something much so much larger. Remember that you're never alone, Mike. Uh, for what it's worth, I would stand in front of a gun for you, brother. That's pretty well, good that support. That may be a little bit extreme. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll take it. I may need that one day. <laughs> But for now, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that you will continue to gain insight and understanding of God's truth and that you will acquire knowledge and wisdom to share with the world and apply in your own life. May you be blessed with the peace that passes all understanding, the peace of his presence, and the peace of knowing him. Pray that your ministry's needs will be supplied by God the Father who supplies all things. Stand strong in his truth. Your doctrine is sound and your teachings are upright. It may feel like you are crying out in the wilderness, but in reality you are crying out in the sea of humanity and you are heard. In Jesus' name. That was powerful. That's Brother Gordon's word, not just to you and me, but to all of our listeners, Futurians, who, yeah. from what I read, are the same <clears throat> boat we are. Mm-hmm. And Brother Gordon had some good word, and that's an encouraging word, isn't it? That's the real deal right there. I mean, that for me, somebody yeah. who's really affected and, oh, I don't know, gets whatever we're trying to say. He gets it. Yeah. That's right. And this is more eloquent than us. Yeah. Here, here's another neat Probably one. Probably smarter. Got, got just this. Oh, yeah, I'm certain. This is from Joel in Wisconsin, uh, sent one. Uh, he says, uh, good morning, Dr. Future and Tom Bionic. He says, I, p- I just paused uh, your 611, number show 265 show, our most recent one, after you read an email from someone that appears to worship their job and man more than the truth. I think it's 
refer you to the same email. Mm. The person, I'd call him an individual, but sadly he sounds more like a part of the herd than a sovereign individual, claimed that he was leaving Future Quake because you attacked the pharmaceutical industry and James Dobson. It is a shame to see him leave some of the most powerful electronic fellowship out on the web. It is an unfortunate truth that many desire tickling of the ears rather than a love of the truth. It is likely that this person subconsciously knows they are working in a less than godly industry and was convicted by what you said, so they fled the truth rather than dealing with the facts. This is a fundamental example of not fearing only God. You know what I you know what I pray is is yeah. for uh, I mean I appreciate all these emails, but I just you know, I would I would all of our Futurian listeners who are affected by that and, you mm-hmm. know, who want to write in and support us, I appreciate that. But I want them to pray for that guy, too. Yeah. You know, I don't want them. Yeah. And I, I think that's know. the attitude of these folks, too. I okay. think they do feel okay. that way. But, yeah. I mean, he's even if he even even if he doesn't like me, he's still a brother. You know, we're still brothers in the spirit. Sure. Now. Sure. Well, so. believe me, for that one, I, I can count 20 on a regular basis that probably think we're going to hell because... We didn't hate Muslims. Uh, yeah, yeah, I know. That's you, you send me those too, and I just I read yeah. about half of them and delete them. But yeah, maybe but, that's why they don't affect me. But I read them. <laughs> I, I mean, I read them all, and I sit and meditate, and I pray about what mm-hmm. I read. Uh, yeah, because I feel the same way too. People they want to do what's right, and as uh, as our brother just explained before, you know, they get in a comfort zone like we all tend to do, and it's uncomfortable being told to move on. He says, brothers, I've been studying the same mess you've been studying and see the things the same way you see them. It is terribly sad that we as Americans have been brought up in a world of subterfuge and wholescale deceit. When one opens their eyes to what is really going on, it feels like your whole life is a lie and that you've been punked like the biggest fool in history. The truth is that you've only been punked if you choose to hang on to the lies to the stepping out in the truth. Living in the truth makes the Bible come to life in a way that no one can know until they deal with the reality of this world and the evil that has a lease on it. Want proof? How about this? This is John 3.12. If uh, Jesus said, If I've told you earthly things and you believe not, how should you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? And also Proverbs 18.13. He that answereth the matter before he hears it, it is a folly and a shame unto him. Hmm. That's a good word, isn't it? Yeah. I could go on and on, but I know you guys have 36 hours a day worth of work, so I'll cut it short. You're doing a great job. Are you flawed and imperfect? Sure. I don't know. <laughs> all call, I can, me, call me Tom the Body Bionic. Uh, all I can say to that is, welcome to the family of man. As mm. Christians, we are saved, but still walking around in imperfect dirt suits. Our imperfection shines even more in the light of the glory and perfection of Jesus Christ, in that as disgusting as we are, his blood is more powerful than our filth and all sufficient to wash us clean and bring us into heaven. In other words, it's all about Jesus. There you go. Not the first time we've heard that, is it? Yeah. One last thing. With all that is going on around us, it's important to be cautious of one very real threat. We need to make sure that the love in our hearts does not grow cold. It is easy to become jaded, and that is not godly. Meditate and pray for that love, which is Jesus Christ, in your heart does not grow cold, as his word warns. In Matthew twenty four twelve, he said, Because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. And in Revelation two four he says, Unless I have somewhat against nevertheless I have someone against thee, because thou have less thy first love. That's Jesus' word. He says, I love you guys. Keep up the truly great work. Can't wait to meet you uh both someday or when there comes an end of days, whichever comes first. Yeah. May God bless you both. Well come to Branson, man. And that's Joel in Wisconsin. Down. Yeah, that's Wisconsin. Branson, Wisconsin, Missouri, yeah. Branson, Close Wisconsin. Enough. Yeah. Yeah. Well that's another powerful one. 
Um, I got a couple quick ones that are the older ones. We, we got to catch up. Okay, okay. We'll call her a day. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> this is um, Brother Timothy in Walnut Creek, California. Okay. No, back where where near I grew up. Yeah. Um, I tell you what. Um, we're getting a little late, and this is a little long one. I'm thinking maybe I want to hold off on this one a little longer. Okay. Hey, hang on, Tim. We'll get to you next next week, yeah. okay? It's top of the stack. Mm-hmm. Okay, here's, um, we were just getting a little late here. Here's Bob. Uh, Bob, we've heard from occasionally. He says, hi, Doc. Just finished listening to the most recent Future Quake show. This is back in the middle of March. Mm-hmm. He says, you managed to do it again. You're researching the evangelical players who are nice in Malta or involved with some other group just blew me away. Very intense and thorough research. Another great show. Sadly, the research you presented tends to support your hypothesis that the goal is for a holy war, at least a war under the pretense of God's will. What a tangled web they weave. Mm -hmm. These elites are just so deceived and evil. May God have mercy on them. I almost fell off my chair when you presented the new apostles' predictions. At first, I thought it was a lark, but the further you read, the more I realized it was no joke, despite Tom's and yours' lighthearted treatment of the article. Tom was right. It did read like a horoscope. I did love their qualification about it. It's not necessarily for this year, but for this season. So, how long is a season? Laugh out loud. What a joke and such blasphemy. These people give Christians a bad name. As you've mentioned before, it's no wonder the world hates Christians when these people are the face of Christianity. Sadly, unless they change their ways, they will have to explain their ways to Jesus in a face-to-face meeting. Ooh, that won't be fun, will it? When that happens. Hmm, going to be a tough one. Once again, thanks so much for all that intense research and sharing with your listeners. Take care and God bless. Bob. Great email there, Bob. And here's our last one. I'm going to wrap things up. This is from Robert. Okay, and uh, you, you always know you're probably going to get read when it says subject. Future Quake is awesome. You know, I'm a sucker for that. Future Quake yeah. is awesome. Um no, I like the ones critical too. I read those. Well, here. I mean, but it's it's fair to have a balance. It's a num- yeah. well, it's a numbers game on proportions. Yeah. Uh, it says I okay. Um, it says Doctor Future and Tom. I'm a big fan of Bionicle. Uh, <laughs> this is all just your fan mail. Oh yeah. For right. the past two months, I've been listening to your podcast, and I thank God for both of you. I was searching the web for an alternative radio broadcast that focused on the Bible and the political spectrum. Thanks to a link on Chris Pinto's Adolin Films website, I was delighted at the content of your show. It seems that many on the web focus only on the political spectrum of the Novos Ordo Seclorum, thanks to Alex Jones and his fruitful works. Few in independent media focus on the spiritual battle behind the politics. As a believer examines the independent spectrum of media and embraces it through God's working of the Holy Spirit, they can come only to one conclusion. When you study the history of secret societies, you understand the history of the world. This is a wonderful because mm. the believer sees the world as it truly is. The Bible in the redeeming name of Jesus Christ, Yahshua, is our guide in travailing the deceptions of the enemy and exposing his deeds of darkness. Because of your show and other Futurians who have taken up the call, I have started my own talk show broadcast That's entitled City. Conspiracy Bereans. We are oh, also on yeah, Facebook. Yep. Okay, since the last three podcasts have been Future Quake's best work thus far, and this was back in March. Uh, I pray for continued blessings, anointing, and spiritual wisdom for our Father in Heaven. Shalom. That's Robert. Yeah. He just graduated from college. Well, he said something about P.S. Tom need to have another Go match. So. Yeah, man. He's got uh, me kind of hooked on Go. So, uh, what's that? It's a it's it's a it's a game uh, where you play with little black and white 
yeah. checkers, tiles, yeah. and you have a, a 13 by 13 board, and you put the put the tile down. Yeah. The whole key is to capture to capture your um, mm. the the other person. Okay. Um, it's, is this a black and white tile like on a Masonic floor in a lodge? Yeah, we actually we wear yes. red robes and stuff and push oh, them with I, a I, golden sensor. I didn't know if that's what. Is there wagering involved in this or anything? Mm-hmm. Heavily, heavy drinking okay. and, and uh, DMT use. That's how you do strategy. <laughs> DMT use. Robert, it's great. Thanks for the great word here, bro. Yeah. And I'll have to stop over uh, Conspiracy Bereans and we're talking to you. I want to see uh, when it's on. Yeah, so I can check that out. That's yeah. pretty cool. So that's that's it. We've gone. Uh, we're running p- pretty late here. Any last words? Man, I just I'll tell you what. I feel, I just love doing the show. I love being here with you, man. You I can love, tolerate me. I love being there with you, Pyro. Oh, you're gone. Yeah. <laughs> he got bored. It's, of us. Man, it's just it's good. So T- Timothy Walnut Creek will be back. Yep. Oh, somebody else who we need to talk to about is Murph, Murph. who can tell you how to contact us mm-hmm. at Future Quake. Future Quake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com, suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. Email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at drfuture at futurequake.com. That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E at futurequake.com. Tell us your name, city, and radio station or internet, and if we can use your name on air. Comments on the shows, topics, or guests, or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast. Whew, came close to forgetting that one. Merv would never forgive me. No. He'd body slam me. <laughs> I'm glad you like this. I hope you, you, you do, you're not man. just like a big nasty rut that you're in here. No, I feel like this is the only thing that like I feel like is worth doing, you know? Really? Yeah, it's like... All the other stuff is just sort of like, you know, yeah. there's a lot of other ministry stuff. You mean like stuff bathing and showering and stuff? Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of other ministry and stuff that goes on, but this is like. Yeah. You think the quake is. Personally edifying to me. Good. Yeah. Good. Good. Well, I'm edified by what you have to say, and obviously all of your tons of fan mail. Both of them. The same them. way, too. <laughs> and uh, I tell you, I'm edified by our Futurians, man. Yeah, they, man. You know. That and your comments, man, just year after year taking a tough ride with you on this has been. A whale of an experience, yeah. you know that? Yeah, it's, and, it's uh, cool, man. I, it's it's cool in a weird yeah. way. This guy sitting across from me, he picks me up all the time. He's constantly praying, intervenes in all my myriad of personal problems and other things, and I just always know he's there for me. And uh, not just on Tuesday nights when we record, but anytime. And I appreciate you, bro. Yeah, and you all of you all out there, um, try to make it to Branson if you can. I'd like to meet you all. And yeah. We'll be taking a tough ride with our talks. Bring a cake. They won't know what what we're going to go through. Mm-hmm. But anyway, God bless you all. We'll have some more stuff next week and then have a really interesting interview the week after that. So until then, we hope your future is always bright. Have a good day. Sayonara. Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake. quake, quake, quake.